This podcast recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. And we are back for another week of the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. Around the table today, we have big man on the board, Chris Sims, Jimbo Franklin, and uh, our buddy Dave. Uh, he's coming in to tell his story on a giant buck he killed, and I, we talked about on here uh, last week. Um, I'm your host, Jay Thompson. Uh, today's guest, we'll be talking to Spayco Fly Reels, Tim Pantslaff. Pantslaff? Pantslaff? I'm, I'm always messing up names, so we'll get it right when he comes on. Right. But uh, And Mark, he had a guided trip today, so he, uh, he was busy out yep. there getting some musky. Yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome picture we got a little earlier. Um, here's what else we'll be talking about. Uh, Kaminsky poaches deer. We were taught, wanted to talk about it last <laughs> week, but we're going to talk about it this week. Uh, guy lives a town over, so might as well. Um, Dave's buck. Uh, Chris went fishing with his kids. Uh, awesome to just get out on the water, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's, it was beautiful this morning. Um, we'll talk to Tim. Uh, he'll come on for a while. Um, <clears throat> you know, things like his reels, uh, his local fishing, and uh, trips to Newfoundland that he's been doing every year now. Um, we have a Niagara trip coming up. Dave's come going with me. Heck yeah. Uh, this will be his second year going up. Uh, Tim is also here with us, my buddy Tim I work with. Um, and he goes up and fishes with us all the time. You know, we go on different trips, uh, usually a couple times a year. So he might come on here for a second, too. Uh, we have some, some other shenanigans and what Jim's been doing in the world of hunting as well. So, uh, But before we get to all that, who sponsors the podcast, Jim? We got Sims Fishing, Yeti, Built for the Wild, A-Rex Hooks, Fresh and Saltwater, and Cortland Lines. Friends of the show, we have Ryan Evans up at Queen City Guiding, Michael Davis at Down to Earth Wealth Management, Thomas Shank, Chippewa River Custom Rods, our friends over at Muskie Fool, and as always, the Nittany Valley Muskie Alliance. That's how we get started. Yeah, I did quite a few of that yesterday. <laughs> I need to have a few more so I can uh, start feeling better again. Yeah, you look a little rough. Oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> uh, I've never heard of anybody <clears throat> doing the hair of the dog at, you know, 6.30 at night, though. He's no, it's called out. being an alcoholic. <laughs> There's no hair on the dog. It's just, all right, well, I'm going to get drunk again. Here we go. Let's see if it works. Yeah. One person had an alcoholic beverage this morning. Only one, though. But it is a good remedy. It does help. I can't do it. You can't? Nope. It doesn't work, it doesn't work for me. Uh, I tried it all through college when it was supposed to work. It does not. All it does is make me drink all day. <laughs> and then the next day is twice as bad. <laughs> you ain't not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was able to do it. I forget where the hell I was last time I did that, but I did do it, and it, it seemed to work. I mean, I, ju I think it just prolonged the hangover a few more hours, so I didn't have it first thing in the morning. My guess is that originated in Chicago, and it was, uh, you know, after a long night of Malort, you hit Malort in the morning, you get all the barf out, and then you're done for the day. Because that stuff's poison. It's like Ipecac. Yeah, just like Ipecac. <laughs> Need a big greasy breakfast. That's the ticket right there, man. Mm. Big greasy breakfast and then uh, a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can start your day. But that's that's the ticket for me is a big greasy breakfast. I don't know. I just limped through it. Lots of water. Maybe a Gatorade or two. Mama didn't raise a quitter, Jay. Ah. <laughs> uh. Liquid up. I usually cry about it mostly. <laughs> uh, so everybody knows how bad I feel. Mm -hmm. That's usually the way I go. 
<coughs> All right. Well, those are uh, hangover remedies. I'm just going to you know, keep drinking now and have a good time here. Right on. So, Jim, you went hunting today? Yeah, I went. Uh, I spent the majority of the day uh, in the woods. It was woods and computer day for me. So, got well, up early this morning. What else did you do on the computer, man? Oh. That's awesome. Let's yeah. talk about it. Uh, did a little bit of editing. I've been messing around with an editor and trying to find a way to, to videotape this. And I've gone through so many different versions of it where I'm like, I love it, I love it, I love it. In the last second, I'm like, you know what? I hate this shit. <laughs> I'm going to rip this one out, burn it, and try over again. But I got uh, I got all of the video the layout for our podcast completely laid out now. So it's going to be really quick and efficient for me to edit it. You know, I got all of our, you know, intros, outros, everything's all saved. So just put it here, put it here, pick a clip. Nice. But, um, all the audio, all the scaling, it's hundred percent rendered in HD. So, I mean, you can watch it in full 4k, but we got two videos that I just posted up today on the YouTube page. So it's SVS fishing on YouTube. Awesome. Hell yeah, go check us out on YouTube. Now you can see how awful we look. Oh yeah, I mean, we, we <laughs> all have. You get to see Jay in 4K. We all have faces for radio. A hundred percent. I mean, all you could probably see on me is just a microphone and my big nose on top of the microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, me waving my hands around at you guys. and Quite hey, frequently. Hey, that's what I do. You know, I like to talk with my hands. I, I, get, I, got, I get into it. Uh, Nothing Heck yeah, though. That. No, it's it, it's awesome that you put that up there, man. A lot of work went into it, and uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know definitely, that. man. I appreciate uh, Mr. Chad Bauer for putting up with me because he's got to constantly reset the YouTube logins and everything from <laughs> his phone. And he was coming back from, uh, I, th- I think he said he was in like the mountains or something. But it was uh, probably in Maryland. But anyway, or was it today? Today. Oh, that was, yeah, we were in the mountains last night. Yeah, but uh, he was yesterday. like telling me, he goes, if, uh, you know, if I don't respond, it's because I don't have service, you know, in yeah. the time that he conveniently couldn't respond for a little bit was whenever I was waiting for him to send me a Google verification code to be able to log into. Where everything. you have like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's timestamp. But mm-hmm. fortunately enough, he made it to me in, you know, nine minutes and 32 seconds. So we were able to fire it in there real quick. And Sweet. Did you kill anything today? I did not kill anything today. No, I uh, I could have shot a doe, but you know I already I already got meat in the freezer. I'm hunting horns right now. It's the rut. Right, alone so, or did you take your boy? No, I didn't take my boy today. He's <clears throat> hanging out with his buddies and everything, and you know how that goes. Oh yeah, yeah. Woke up one morning calling me bro and dude and asking me for money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I still do the same thing to my dad. What's up, bro? What's up, bruh? Can uh, I get some money? My my <laughs> my kid's T-shirt. His birthday was Friday, and it said, "Bruh, today's my seventh birthday." And that's pretty cool. That's what he says now. It's bruh. He's like, "Hey, bruh," and I'm like, "Kid, not today." <laughs> <laughs> they were yelling at me last night for calling everybody bruh. Like, what's up, bruh? My kid had a bad thing with the a habit with the dabbing. You ever see kids do oh, that yeah. shit? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were walking through the mall My one kid. day whenever I was taking him school shopping, and he was doing that, and I told him, I was like, listen, dude. I was like, you dab one more one more time. I'm going to smack shit out of you. I'm going to dab yeah. you in the back of the head. What did he do? I literally just finished saying, if you do it, I'm going to smack shit out of you. He dabbed down, and whenever his head came back up, I smacked his head back into <laughs> another dab. Nicely done. Nicely done. Worked you, out perfect. Yeah, you can't dab with a dislocated mm-hmm. shoulder. Well, I mean, the look of his, the look on his face was like, dude, we, like we're in the mall. There's people around. You just smacked the shit out of me. Yeah. Well, I told you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the deer moving though. I mean, holy cow. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I've definitely seen, on my way here. I've seen probably half a dozen bucks on my drive here. 
Last yeah. week driving home, I didn't go over 40 miles an hour until I hit 80. I got to tell there you. There were deer. And I'm driving a brand new truck. So 40 might have been the fastest I went the whole way home. <laughs> so, by the way, thanks for that, Jim. No problem, buddy. Enjoy your new buddy. New it's toy. A, it's, <laughs> it's nice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, How many miles you got on it now? 380. 1,200 more. That's it. Twelve hundred more. We could redline, buddy. I've been I've been counting it down, uh, but Cobb Cobb, the access port company, can't crack. Yeah, that's what you were telling me. Yeah, they can't they can't crack the e, the ECU, so that I can put a custom tune on it. Really? It's, yeah, which is a shame because I'd really like to put a custom tune on that truck. That'd make me real happy. I had one of my last I had one of my last one, uh, and it changed it changed. That vehicle. With everything going on in the world with cybersecurity and stuff these days, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm not upset about it. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I would just, it would be a convenient thing for me. But I was telling these guys earlier, I had I had five bucks come through, come through my yard in a minute and a half. Four of them, their heads down, mouths open, frothing at the mouth. They've changed to that darker color. Their necks are getting bigger. It's, yeah, they're out there oh, yeah. wolfing out. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's time. Hunting for that first, though. Yeah, I'm kind of hope like I don't I don't archery hunt anymore, but I'm hoping for a rifle. Uh, since rifle season's going to start so early here, we might get the tail end of the rut, which would be when which would open it. We mean early. Well, Thanksgiving be this, twenty what twenty fifth when it opens. Yeah. He used to open the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, yeah, now it's a Saturday. But when I say early this year, uh, Thanksgiving is super early this year. There's only it could the earliest Thanksgiving could ever fall is the 22nd, but it's the 23rd this year, so it's happening about a week earlier than it normally does. So hopefully, if the weather stays the way it is right now, the rut should continue. I like the second half of November versus the first half anyway. Yeah, same. Like it's, I mean, granted, you've got does starting to pop left and right, and you know you're going to start seeing some chasing and everything, but eventually those does that do come into estrus are going to get locked down. Yeah, and then once they're bred, that second half October or November, that's game on because now you can call deer. Now you can you're going to see more activity. You're going to see that response level out of them. Yeah, I uh, when I archery hunted, I didn't I didn't really start going out until the second week of November. One because uh, I I'm I'm in the mountains. I don't have fields to hunt really, so I couldn't see anything. I had to wait till all the leaves came down. And uh, two, I was didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's warm in here. Yeah, I don't like it when it's. Yeah, it's not I don't nice. like sitting in a tree when it's eighty some degrees. You know, you have a very nice portfolio. I'm surprised you don't have one of those glorified cabins with satellite TV, a wood stove. You know, you got all the fancy stuff. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. No. Because hunting's hunting, right? Yeah, but you could live in that for a week. I could, but then I wouldn't have a family to come home to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, make a big enough one, you bring them with you. And if I'm a house on tree, a house on stilts. If I'm going to live on something for a week, uh, end of October, beginning first week of November, it's going to be my boat. I'd, if if I'm going to lose my family for a week of living somewhere that's fishing or hunting, I choose fishing. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a time of year thing. Uh, I haven't got to get out hunting either, and I should be. And, and I was and yesterday. You've got that stand up. Yeah, out there? yesterday I would have probably been the prime time to get back there. Um, I left here, take my dog down the road, my mom and dad's, and 
I almost had one buck run into the side of my car. <clears throat> Thank God I was looking around. And then I get down by my parents' house, and there was a decent little eight point. I mean, it wasn't a huge, huge deer. I mean, good size, though. I mean, good enough. I mean, it was eight head, three up top, little little basket. But uh, he stood there in the middle of the road forever until I, like, rolled up next to him. And then finally, he's, he's just, you know, looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around, and jumps off the, uh, thank you, uh, jumps <laughs> off the, uh, you know, over the guardrail. Down by the creek right there, I grew up running around on, and it's like, geez, man, you were just in total idiot mode, you know? Yeah, I, I, I installed my Gambrel today. There you go, Zach. I said it correctly, even though I said he it correctly. He was on you about that. Yeah, and like, I said it correctly last week, too. But I, I mumble, and I'm always chewing during the podcast, so I might have. And might add some, uh, maybe a little bit of whiskey. Not me. Uh, <laughs> but I I installed it today in case I get in case I can get an R tag on the way home. Like if I hit a deer, I'm I mean, I'm not slowing down for it. Uh, yeah. If it's I'm taking it home and I'm gonna get the R tag, and I'll save what I can. I've done that I don't know a dozen times. Oh yeah, I'll take some roadkill. Yeah, not absolutely. if I hit it myself. No, even if I see somebody else hit it, like I'll go up yeah, and I'll, fresh. Yeah. I'll take a look and I'll be like. Yeah, I'll take that. Those are the and best ones when somebody else hits it. You never want to hit one with your own yeah. vehicle. No. When I used to live on a bigger on a on a on a more traveled road, uh, when I heard tires squeal, I'd run out like meat. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this means. Yeah, there are some though where I'm like, I don't. I'm not even gonna call for that one. It's it's gonna stay right there. But some of them, and they're fine. I mean, I get. You're only getting half a deer usually, but it's more than you had prior to. I like those ones that decide to put their head in front of like a headlamp. Those yeah. are the good ones. <laughs> That's the one. The best is when either that or, you know, I the one that I hit a couple years ago fell straight down like cuz it was icy out and I proceeded to just all four wheels pop 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 right over top of it. Nice. You know, it didn't really mess up too much stuff. I mean, a little bit of the one leg maybe, but you know, I learned uh, legally you cannot dispatch a deer with a firearm if you're going to get an R tag, but you can hit it with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start bringing around sledgehammer. Yeah, honest to God. Uh, you can hit that thing in the head with a sledgehammer and be like, yeah, I dispatched it, but I didn't shoot it. And the game commission's like, all right, here's your tag. Uh, I mean, try not to hit a deer. Yeah, ideally, but <clears throat> hit it with a bow if you do anything. So, um, legally. So some uh, butthole who, you know, put uh, lead into fish. Yeah, let's. Uh, I don't think we need to rehash that story, but let's let everybody know. Chase Kaminsky. Kaminsky yeah. is the guy that put lead in the walleye on that tournament. That we all know about. We might not remember his name, but we know about the incident. He's yeah. the DNR's most wanted. Absolutely. Everybody in the world knows him. <clears throat> I mean, at least in the United States, it was a, it was a big story. I mean, you're you're this is like hitting the news all over. Yeah, he's, my, he's going news. at it again. Even, he's on the news again. Oh, I know. My That's buddy in the UK texted me, and he's like, hey, "This is like Erie. You you live close to that? Do you oh, know yeah. this guy?" And I'm like, "I don't." But as a matter of fact, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. He literally is from the town right next to where we're at right now. Right. Yeah. He's, you know, the town he's I a local boy. Yeah. He's not. He didn't live far. 
Um, but now he's caught poaching deer at night. Again. Again. Yeah, this Again. happened before. Yes. Yeah. He lost his license for, what was it, four years at one point? Mm-hmm. And for having, like, a, just an absurd amount of deer on his wall, I guess, or something. I'm not sure how that whole... And the first time it happened, but I guess he gets caught again now, um, taking illegal deer at night. Shoot, I don't know if he's sh- shooting them with a crossbow. If he's, I don't know. I don't. But I mean, a suppressed twenty-two in the right spot will do it. Sure. Right, and I have I have a suppressed twenty-two in subsonic rounds. All you hear is the action. It'll get the job done. Yeah, that's true. Or they have those air guns now too that are pretty quiet. Yeah, crossbow is also really quiet, but your range is limited. Yeah. I mean, suppressed twenty-two. You, you probably don't want to shoot past fifty yards, really, because it's, it's. I mean, it's not going fast enough to break the sound barrier. So, yeah, not it's, a, it's a little baby bullet. <laughs> I just, you know, I didn't get the uh, full thing on how he was doing it or how he was going about it, but it's still, man, it's just wow. I just can't. I'll, I'll say, believe I'll somebody say, it would be I'll so say it. stupid. Piece of shit. Oh, that's, that's absolutely. Piece of shit move. Oh, sure. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. All of it is. Most importantly, he's a fucking idiot. Oh, abs- yes. Like, your reputation started as a poacher, and then it turned into the biggest cheat in America, right? And you're like, you know what I ought to do? Nobody's watching me. I ought to poach some deer. Like, there's no crosshairs on me at all. The Game Commission has never heard my name. I've never had any legal trouble. What I should do is the most illegal thing you can do to Pennsylvania fishing game. Bright dude. Real yeah. bright dude. I just can't believe you it. Guys, you guys heard about the, the middle offense. Oh, yeah. You? Well, the one with the, yeah, the yeah, fake with $100 the bills. $100 bills. At the bowling alley. At the bowling yeah. alley, yeah. 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 Right around the corner. Mm-hmm. How many times can you screw around with the federal government? Yeah, and not be okay. Yeah, I can't believe nobody's pinned him to the wall yet or something. I can't believe Charles Darwin was wrong. Like, this guy shouldn't have got through puberty, right? Like, if you're going to be that dumb, you should have been eaten by a bear or hit by a semi. Like, if you're going to make this... Garbage truck, yeah. Yeah, this many bad decisions, you should probably not have lived. If this was 100 years ago, never would have happened. We'd have stoned you. Not, oh, yeah. not even then. Like he'd have, he'd have been eaten when he was a teenager. Oh yeah. Or yeah. Or talked wrong to the wrong guy when you could have duels, and someone would have stabbed him in the yeah. eye or <laughs> shot him in the face. <laughs> but no, we live now where it's forgive and forget. And apparently, our law enforcement is. I'm I'm all for law enforcement. In uh, a speedy and fair trial, I don't know if his trials have come through yet or not, but I don't think he should be allowed to own a firearm or a fishing rod. Yeah, it's amazing that he's still able to do all this stuff with everything he's been through. Yeah. A lifetime ban. I definitely have the hunting license. Can you imagine a, a picture of him at every Walmart cash register? Do not sell a fishing <laughs> rod to this man. <laughs> <laughs> no lose for you. Well, what they should do is, back when I was a house arrest officer, we'd go into a house and be like, you can't have these things, right? So we'd walk into your house. I was looking for those things, plus, like, cocaine and uh, uh, other sundry things that nobody can have. Uh, He should get a a lifetime PO and be like, look, dude, if I see a fucking shad dart in your garage... (laughs) (laughs) 
you violated parole and you're going to jail. Let me see one split shot. I <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's right. Oh, that's good. So I, we just wanted to, you know, throw it out there that, you know, we're definitely aware of all the crappy things that happen as well. You know, have a good time. Go out and kill a deer the right way. I mean, he could have just went out and did it the right way. Yeah, it's he not that have hard. A license. It's not that hard to kill a deer the right way. It's hard to kill like a really good deer, but like any deer the right way, you want to shoot a basket rack scrub or you just want to go out and wax a doe, it's pretty easy to do that legally. Yeah, it's not the definition of, you know, impossible. Yeah, like get a crossbow, get a ground blind, find an apple tree, you're going to get a doe. Ready, break. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> or wait until after Thanksgiving and... Get a rifle with a scope. Yeah, yeah. And a yeah. ground blind. Find an apple tree. Ready. Br- it's not hard. No. No, it's not that. No, it's, it's, uh, there are deer out there. Yeah. Um, big ones, different story. <coughs> Dave. <coughs> Speaking of big deer. Yeah. You shot a big, big deer. A big buck. And uh, go into it. How, how, you've been archery hunting for a long time? Yeah, thank you for having me on, Jay and guys. I really appreciate it. But yeah, I've been probably archery hunting since high school now. Um, was first, that was that like a couple of weeks ago or yes, I got him on years uh, ago. What high school? Buck? Oh, <laughs> 2014. I graduated. All right. Yep. Yep. I feel old now. Yeah. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when I first started out archery hunting, uh, wasn't that good at it at first. Um, I would just literally just try to be in the woods every day that I could, and I'd always get like pictures of some decent bucks that I wanted to shoot. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to be out there. And any time I could, I'd literally be out there every day. And just over those years, probably up until now for the past, for like past five years, I learned that being in the woods every day just isn't good, especially if you hunt small property. Like I only have nine and a half acres that I hunt, and it's in Trumbull County in Ohio. And um, just being in the woods that much is just really putting pressure on the property. Like I'd go out there and only see a button buck, a couple yearlings, maybe a spike here and there. And I just realized going back to that much was ruin it, ruining it pretty much. So in the past five years, I really just tried to limit the amount of hunting that I was doing back there. I would only probably go back around the first week of November, end of October. And I would take a vacation purposely every year for work. Then after I started working, I would just take that week off and I would just dedicate that to hunting. Because even the way my woods is set up, only having nine and a half acres, my tree stands kind of in the back half. But it sets up in like a pinch point in the back. And there's a couple acorn trees there. And the pinch point kind of connects my woods Those to the Those would be called woods. oak trees. Yeah. The acorn tree. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. There's a couple red oaks and white oaks, and there's a couple pins out there. But, yeah, it pinches down right there in my woods, and it kind of runs over to the, to the neighboring property. But it goes across the street, and there's a little section there where there's no houses, so they run across the street through there, especially during the rut, just going back and forth between properties. So I've had my tree stand literally in the same spot for about five years now almost, and I've done pretty well out of it. But uh, this year was literally the first time I was hunting was October 30th on Monday. Is the first time I went out was when my vacation started. And it, I don't know if you guys remember, it was raining all day. And mm-hmm. I was just I kept watching the weather, and I knew there was going to be a break in the weather eventually near the end, kind of around 4 o'clock. So I got in the tree stand around 3. It was still raining and everything. 
and eventually it started calming down. I just know once that rain stops, it's going to get them up on their feet after it's been raining all day like that. And I didn't see anything for probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And then uh, a six point came walking in and he started feeding around, picking up some acorns. And then probably five minutes later, three does came in and six point turned around, saw one of the does and they looked at each other for a minute and the one doe took off because it's getting close to that time. And uh, those little yearlings came in and they were feeding and the six point was feeding after he ran that doe off. He didn't chase after, he just kind of like took a couple steps and she was like, I don't want it and she just took off. <laughs> and Story then, of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they were feeding around in there and then eventually they wandered and meandered their way off because to my north, there's like a thicket and then past that thicket, there's a cornfield that's been planted this year. Usually it's in soybeans, but this year they planted in, in corn. Because they usually rotate, but for the past three years, it's been soybeans. Haven't had corn in a while. And then literally to my south, there's houses pretty much. Like I walk the edge down towards those houses just so I don't spread scent down through the woods. So I stay as close to those houses as I can to get to my tree stand. And my tree stand sets up and I'm literally just facing the houses. So I have to stand back and like turn around and face the trunk of the tree to actually see anything coming in but it also gives me cover in there too but um so those they fed off and then i was watching them wander down through the woods and i don't know if deer behind me they saw me i didn't know there were any behind me but i heard a blow and i was like oh man like that's the one noise you never want to hear and it's already getting prime time and it's the worst i turn behind and there's three tails running up through the open woods and i'm like well there goes my hunt for the afternoon. It's over. So they must either caught me moving up there or maybe they caught my scent. I'm not sure. But literally five minutes after that, I, I see a doe to my north running the edge of that thicket. And behind her is what looks like a pretty nice buck. Like really good. I didn't have my binoculars with me. I just had my range finder because I forgot my binoculars, of course. So I pulled up my range finder and I see him in there. And it, it's definitely a nice buck. It's like a nine point. And I see it coming down this trail and he stops about 60 yards away from my tree, and he's right where those deer were blowing. So I don't know if he thought that maybe there was another buck chasing him, and they kind of blew out of there because they weren't ready, but he literally stopped there for probably like 15 minutes and was just standing there. He wasn't like alert, too alert or anything. He was looking around, swinging his head around a little bit, licking himself, would just take a couple steps, just hanging out. Wasn't like popped up head, wasn't licking his nose, trying to catch scent or anything like that, but he was just wondering like, what blew these does out of here? Was there another buck in here trying to mess with my does? And then, and are you shitting your pants at this point? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because <laughs> at this point, it's sixty yards, and I got my rangefinder on, and I'm like, oh, that's definitely a nice buck. This is gonna be like the biggest buck if I ever sh if I get to him or not. And um, it literally feels like forever goes by, but it was definitely at least fifteen minutes. Probably he was standing there. And we've all had we've all had bucks at sixty yards. That's yeah, day at sixty yards. Exactly. Like <laughs> I got I got my bow with me. I'm like I'm not making that shot if he's he's out oh, there. Right. I'm I'm like a 20, 30 yard guy. Even 40, you're pushing it for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's literally standing there this whole time. And finally, he just breaks and he starts coming, angling in towards my tree. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to come in. And I got a big, I'm hunting in a big maple tree and it's right in front of me. So he can't see me. So I turn around and I grab my bow. And that's when my heart really starts pounding out of my chest. I'm like, oh man, he's coming in. It's, it's going to happen right here. And he, he's kind of quartering to me a little bit. And he's feeding, he gets down, starts feeding on some acorns. That's when I go to draw back, and I draw back, and he looks right up at me as I draw. But I'm already drawn on him, and he kind of does that, like, side stagger step, 
uh-huh. like look at me to see if I'm like what's going on up there. And so he's quartering to me even more now. So I just drop the pin right down on him and I'm trying to settle and trying to keep it steady, making sure I have it on there good. And I let it off and it smacks him and I can hear it hit real hard. And I'm like, oh man, I definitely hit that front shoulder bad. And I, I got lighted knocks now too. And I see it sticking out of him pretty good. And he takes off, makes a huge jump, runs into a thicket, gets into the thicket. He literally runs up the thicket then down the thicket and then back up the thicket so i'm thinking like he's got to be hurt pretty bad he doesn't even yeah he's he, not like he doesn't know what's going on yeah he's not beelining it out of there taking one route like he's kind of confused just panicking and then he runs back up the thicket and he kind of disappears into more thick stuff and i can't really see the only reason i could see him in the thicket was my literally my lighted knock kind of <laughs> which is like flapping around through there and then he took up and he I didn't see any of, them, any of them anymore, and I didn't know if he was down or if he just kept running. I didn't know if I got good penetration with my arrow. There was just so many things going through my head. Like, I couldn't even be happy at the moment. I was like, oh, man, I think I just ruined, like, the biggest deer of my life right there. And you got to sit there for an hour. Yeah, and exactly. That, that's that's the worst hour ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm in the stand, like, contemplating, like, well, maybe I'll just get down, go see if I see blood where I hit him. He was at about 23 yards when I shot him. So I was like, maybe I'll just go get down, see if I see blood where I hit him. I didn't even go look. I literally just went back up to the house because my fiance was at our new house that we just bought. And we were... Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. We were finishing the floors over there and she was like sanding stuff down for the final coat of poly we were putting on. And so I come back up to the house and she's like, did you see anything? I'm like, yep. I'm just like deflated at that moment. Like I feel like I just ruined like the opportunity of a lifetime. And she's like, well, what happened? I like told her the story about the deer and everything. And I was like, I think I'm going to wait at least a couple hours before I even go back and look. And so we literally went to the house, finished the floors on the house and everything, came back, brought her with me. She's never even came with me before to go tracking. So it was kind of cool just to bring her. Yeah, that's real cool. So it's like nine o'clock now. I waited about three hours almost, probably from the time that I shot him. And we go back there, I go to the spot don't see any blood where I shot him. I'm like, oh man, because it was only, it didn't go in and out. It just hit him. So it's going to take a while. We're going to bleed. So I track it over to that thicket, probably 20 yards away. Don't really see anything yet. And then finally I get a little bit more into that thicket and I pick up my first good drop of blood and I could see it up with my flashlight. I'm like, oh, that looks like a decent trail. I mean, the leaves were still wet and it looked like artery to me because it was still real bright red, but you can't tell sometimes when it's wet like that. Right. I couldn't tell if there was a couple bubbles in it or not, but it looked like it. So we followed the trail up and down, and I would just leave her at the last spot that I would find blood. I'm like, you just stay here. I'm going to look up a little bit further because it was thick. It was hard to get through. And then if I'd find a good trail, I'd be like, all right, you can come to me and move to me now. And then we just kept moving forward, moving forward. We get to a spot where it kind of opens up a little bit, and then it gets thicker. And I'm debating now like if I should keep going because the blood's starting to get a little bit more spotty. I'm like, man, I don't know if I should keep going right here. And I turn around, I talk to her. I'm like, I think we'll come back in the morning. Like, I don't want to keep looking. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to shut my lights off, trying to see if I can see my lighted knock sticking up somewhere. And um, she's like, well, why don't you just go like a little bit forward, fo- forward through that kind of little clear area to the edge and see where he ran into that thicker stuff on the edge. So I'm like, all right, I'll go up there. I'm just going to go by myself. I shut all my lights off except for my headlamp. And I just kept it on the lowest setting that I could just in case he was bedded somewhere in there and I don't want to jump him. So I just creep forward as slow as I can, following the trail, get to the edge of the thicket, get to the edge of the clear where it goes into the thicket. And we start, I start looking over and I don't see anything. I tell her she can move forward and come up with me. 
And then I turn my light on and like five feet in front of me, I just see a tan and then white belly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no way that is him. <laughs> and I look up and I see his antlers sticking up and we, just, we were just freaking out at that moment. We went over and grabbed him and like I was jumping up and down. I told her, I was like, I'm so excited right now. It feels like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing time. So what size was it? It was a nine point. Yeah, nine it was point. probably like... Did you tape it? I didn't tape it yet, no. But it's probably like maybe 140s. Nice. Yeah. It's nice. definitely my biggest buck to date. That's awesome. Yep. It's definitely not a small deer either. Uh, that yeah. was a good-sized deer. Had a lot uh, of mass. You sent me the picture. I was like, damn, that's a big deer. I think I showed all you guys in the yeah. at the table that night. <clears throat> Pretty sure, didn't I? I don't remember. I think I was driving I home from New York, maybe. I mean, I think I, think I, I bet. yeah, I think I sent it. Yeah, I sent it to the group message and said, "My yeah, yeah. buddy Dave got this deer." I nice, nice deer, man. Thank you, yeah. man. Well Absolutely. done. Absolutely. And, and then the drag drop was even something in and of itself. It was weighed a lot trying to get it out of there. Eventually, we got it to a section. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go get the ice fishing sled." And I went and got the ice fishing sled. We loaded it up in that and drug it up to the house. Yeah, that's that's a good way to go. The ice fishing sled, and I've seen some other guys have some, you know, even um, almost like wool barrels, but like. Yeah, you know, I've all seen those. two wheels. Yeah, they like got the carts. Yeah, like a cart. Yeah, yeah it, those work pretty well too. I I prefer the uh, four wheeler method. Uh huh. Yeah, but uh, that would definitely be the easiest. Yeah, <laughs> my first archery buck was actually on his way back down, right? Like it was a nice seven point, huge deer, but its antlers were like thin and spindly. Uh -huh. I was like, huh, I couldn't get him on the four wheeler by myself. Really? Yeah. I mean, at all and. I'd, I'd hook two legs in under the rack, and I'd try to lift it. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just going to have to squat this thing. So I <laughs> got up underneath it. I squatted it and body slammed it onto the four-wheeler. But it was – it had. I know they don't live – it had to be like a five-and-a-half-year-old deer. Uh -huh. it, was, it was huge, and its teeth were ground down, and it was, it was an old deer. Yeah. Two or three years before that, it had been a, a butte. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's. Have you ever awesome. seen how you can um, you can cut the legs? Oh yeah, a certain and you can, way, you can and you could tie put it into a backpack. Each other. Yeah. yeah, my brother-in-law did that with the buck that I shot because it was in some serious thick stuff, and I'm usually standing up on a tree stump that's you know probably eight feet already high. I just stand right on top of it, and I could see everything and through this thicket, and. Uh, when I shot that deer, he yeah he did that, and it actually I mean it was a decent sized deer. It was probably a hundred and fifty or so, you know, whatever big, big deer, uh, older deer as well. And I couldn't believe how he did that. And he's a, he's not a big guy either. My brother in law is probably a hundred and seventy pounds. So explain know? what 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 you do. I'm not familiar. You with take this. like, and I'm not sure how he even did it, but he did it. Um, you take and you like cut the like the legs at the knees. Okay, yeah, like you know, you know where you're going to hang them? Yeah. And and you could actually take that skin, you know, and then tie it off in a knot off each other, like off the legs. Okay. And you, and you put it on as like the deer on your back as like a backpack. Yeah, you put it on like straps. And if yep. you can, or if you have somebody help, you can like pick it up and then you can carry it out like that. Oh, yeah, cool. like on your back kind of. Nice. And uh, he did that even to just get it out of the one area, you know. And my brother-in-law, we talked about him, this dude. Yeah, runs 5K in like 17 minutes. He's a, he's just a physical freak. Well, I do too. But, but. yes, <laughs> so he, he you know I, I was like, there's no way I was able to I would be able to do that. There's no way in hell. And he's a younger man. Well, you would also die. 
Well, yes, I, I couldn't even touch the deer, <laughs> deer barely. I Be can't wheezing. I can't. Uh, I didn't know if you knew this. I I can't touch deer. Really? Like, oh, I think you told I'm me last year. I'm allergic to deer. Yeah, it just. You really struggle with the. <laughs> oh yeah, the allergies. Oh, not good. Uh, any animal with fur, not good for this guy. My brother-in-law thought it was I was bullshit, and like he's like, I just don't think you want to gut him. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I've got a deer. It just really sucked. You can. I was I was covered in hives. I mean, you can eat them no problem though. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I could eat it. That's so strange. I can actually once I can. It's the dander. Yeah, it's the dander and the fur. I once it's all cut, like the hides are off them and they're hanging in the garage for us to cut up. I help with all the processing of the meat. I cut up all the meat with my uncles and my dad. I can touch it. Doesn't matter. Just gotta just, skin it and hit it with a blowtorch before you can touch <laughs> it. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's what my dad does. Yep. Skins it, <clears throat> hits it with the blowtorch, done, ready to go. I can go in there, even if the head's on there, as long as I'm not like snuggling up with the deer, you know, or you know, making sure if I'm around them, just don't touch my face. Right. Because then my eyeballs are going to end up, like, looking like they're going to explode. <laughs> and, like, I just was in a fight with Rocky or Tyson Fury. Jay so. shoots a deer. He just pops an Allegra instantly. Oh, oh, instantly. I take an Allegra prior to even going out <laughs> to hunt. I'm like, uh, I'm going to tie with Bucktail today. Yeah, Allegra all day. So... Yeah, like I, I was talking about a couple of podcasts ago, this is the first year of my life that I've had allergies. Oh, yeah? And I take a Claritin every day now. Really? Yep. Can't get through it. <clears throat> I'm a Zyrtec guy. Zyrtec knocks me out. Really? I tried Zyrtec first, and I was like, why am I... <laughs> like, I fell asleep <laughs> at my desk at work. And I was like, this is a problem. Yeah, uh, Legger keeps you awake. I can't take this one, but Claritin... Claritin's my jam, but yeah, I'd get sore throats and itchy eyes. And I'm uh-huh. like, what the hell is wrong? I went to the doctor and he's like, that's allergies. You have allergies, sir. And I'm like, I, I don't have allergies. And he's like, you do now. <laughs> and I went, right on. Gotcha. So it's part of my, it's part of my regimen with my myriad of pills. But, so I- but I don't drag a deer. Like at, at 43 years old. If I can't get my four wheeler within ten yards of my stand, I'm finding a new stand. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I put like I won like a big a big blind without a floor on it years ago at a at a raffle. I dropped that blind over my four wheeler and it's one of those pop up blinds. Uh-huh. And I unzip it, drop it over the four wheeler, and away I go. But if if I'm further than ten yards away from my four wheeler, I'm not hunting there. I was going to say, you're not actually riding the four-wheeler with the tent on it, right? No, but I should. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be hilarious. You got to get one of those ones where you can like see all the way 360 around, but they can't see in and ride it through the woods like that. Tidewee, our our waiter people, like our kids' waiter people, they make like uh, a four-man 270 degrees. I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, that's badass. That looks sweet. Yeah, I don't. I don't like hunting from the ground, but yeah, I don't me like. Neither. I don't like being in a tree either. So I'm. I'm actually building a tripod this year for. Well, you're tree. you're a bigger guy. You're not. You're not taking a climber. No. You know, <laughs> up a, up the side of a tree. You no, know, every up. every tree stand I've ever hunted out of has been a double. I'd love to see you up there in a saddle. No, that'd be the funniest you, thing I think I'd ever see in the woods. A large well, man hanging from a tree. There, there <laughs> he just are leans like, too far backwards, and now he's hanging upside down. There are like and five logistical issues here. One, I would turn that tree into a catapult, and I would be the boulder that gets catapulted off of that tree. 
Two, how am I going to get up that tree? Climbing sticks. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lineman's belt. Yeah, that's t- what I got. Dude, you're tied climbing to the tree sticks. the whole time. Dude, I still have my, my climbing spikes and belt from when I was a cable guy. All right, we're not lumberjacks here, okay? I'm not going to use them to deer hunt, but... So your tree stand is like a setup, like you're not climbing? Uh, no, but I have, it's climbing sticks. And oh, okay. It's a single, like it's a hang on stand. Yeah. It's not a ladder stand or anything, but I just set up my climbing sticks and go. Yeah, ladder stand is the closest I will get to getting into a tree. I got the sex swing for rednecks, baby. Right on. How's that? It's the most comfortable thing that you'll ever sit in. Describe a saddle to me. Okay, so you have like a webbing in like an actual like pocket that you sit in a fabric. Are, are you wearing like a Swiss seat? I don't know what that is. It's for climbing, probably and rappelling. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's the same same exact thing. You it's get, a it's like a genital holster, correct. and then it comes around. Correct. You your got the thigh thighs. straps and yep. the waist strap and everything. You got a bridge rope that ties off and it tethers to a tree. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's when you watch people talk about them and like try to sales pitch you them, like selling them online and stuff. They're like, oh, you, they're the greatest thing ever. You could shoot all the way around the tree. You really can shoot all the way around a tree. I mean, it, the little pedestals that I have that I sit on, I use the um, the little tethered platforms, and they're rock solid, too. I mean, you get up there, your whole setup's super, super light. Like, my whole get-up and everything, even with my climbing sticks, weighs like eight pounds. Hmm. Like, it's super, super lightweight. And you just go in there, set them up. You have a lineman's belt that goes around the tree while you're climbing the stick. So you're never not tied to the tree whenever you're using it. So, I mean, even if you do fall... I mean, I see a lot of people get, you know, injured and stuff off climbing sticks, but I've never had an issue with them. I mean, it goes right up. I, I feel safe the entire time. And I mean, I'm hunting 20, 25 feet up in the air in it too. So, I mean, it's not like I'm 12 feet off the ground. Hard pass. Yeah, and if you have to shoot off your <laughs> off shoulder, you almost have to like turn yourself around into the tree, right? I, I stand completely straight up and I rotate my shoulder up underneath my strap. So yeah. I have my rope yeah, going so like, over my yeah. shoulder and then it's just turn around. You can shoot it everywhere. That's cool. And you can hide behind a tree. I'm excited for the for the tripod. We're going to do a tripod and do like the ghillie material the whole way around. Yeah, yeah. So I can take my seven-year-old this year. That'd be perfect. Put him in there and he can move around and stuff. So that, to me, this year is about letting my kid watch me wax a deer. Uh-huh, yeah. Right, like, so I can tell, like, are you into this or not? Right. right? And if you're not, that's okay. Don't get me wrong. But I know you're going to move. And you're going to move a lot. And we're hunting a field. So I need you to be as still as possible. So if I can put this ghillie blind around the tripod. And it's only six feet off the ground. Which. It's high enough. It's high enough. And I'm 6'4". So minus skull height. I'm, you know, I'm going to be. My eyes are going to be 12 feet up. So yeah. I can see. I can see what I need to see. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to give it a try. My My biggest question is. And I've been trying to figure out is how I'm going to stake it down. Mm, yeah. Right? Like, should I get cables? It's got holes in the feet of this tripod, but do oh. I trust that or should? I mean, this stake's got to be eight inches long. Yeah. Is that for the base? There's yeah. For the base. So I think you'd be all right. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, look and, at this and if I fall, I'm only falling six feet. I think. Right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think once you get up in it one time, I think, you know, gravity will do its job and you'll sink in pretty good. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, probably, I'll sink the big feet in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
but I'm excited for it. I've I've never hunted out of a tripod. It's usually been like a double ladder stand, or you know, when I was a kid, my dad would take. My dad went deer hunting because I wanted to go deer hunting. Right, uh, like he wasn't a big hunter. Yeah, that's I never. My, none of my family ever deer hunted. They all small yeah. game hunted back yeah, in the he day. Was, he was a big grouse hunter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he deer hunted because I wanted to, and because his buddies did it. So he'd go out and be like, "We're going to stand next to this tree." I'm like, "All right, is there a place for me to sit?" No, <laughs> you have to stand all day. And we stand there all day, and I'm like, boy, this is so much fun. Man. <laughs> and then when I turned 16, uh, Pennsylvania law allowed us to be uh, anywhere, which was roughly, no, I'm not going to do that math, because yeah, <laughs> don't, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's don't do that. It's going to hurt my feelings <laughs> more than anything. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, hey, on that note, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back with Tim, uh, Spaco Fly Reels. Uh, have a good conversation with him. Right on. Hey, we're back. Um, Tim's going to be coming on with us in just a little bit. Uh, between the time change and it being central to Eastern time, uh, he thought a little bit later than what we did. Uh, so he was still busy at work um, making reels. So Right on. Doing, doing the Lord's work. Yes. So Speaking of reels, did you see Hatch came out with the Jolly Roger? It dropped this week. <sighs> I know. Maybe next, President. Hatch <laughs> draw the, and I'm gonna tell you if you haven't seen this Jolly Roger reel. Oh my god, it's so it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. I like the black one better. because uh, I need a five plus. Uh but this this gold seven plus is beautiful. I I thought about it. I was like, you know yeah. what? I don't need to pay pay my house payment. I don't gotta do that. Yeah, I'm I'm still on the fence. I oh. I didn't pull the trigger yet. Uh, or at all, because it ain't a cheap reel. Buy me one, and I'll do all your housework around your home. Define housework. Cutting grass. Hand jobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are we on the air? Yeah, I'm going to delete it. <laughs> I did not, in fact, delete that, because we thought it was too funny to delete. So It's a Jolly Roger. It's worth it. it, it <laughs> <laughs> That's the correct answer, Jim. <laughs> It is a sweet reel, though. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, and they came out with uh, nippers and a uh, pliers to match. Uh, I, I don't... Yeah, your, plant, your pretty... Your cute flannels that you wear here. Yeah, they are cute flannels, right? They are. They got a lot of good stuff. They really do. And, uh, I mean, I landed a 57-pound Dorado on one of their reels, so okay. I, I know they work. Sold. Yeah. I'm a fan. Oh, let's go Dallas. Come on. Just score a touchdown. So uh Jay's back to football. Oh, it's Sorry. Dallas versus the Eagles. Like yeah. this is a this is a big deal. Not the Eagles. It's a good game. Yeah. And as long as the Eagles lose, I don't care what happens. I feel the same way. As long as every Philly team loses forever for the rest of eternity, I don't care what happens. I agree with oh. you. Thank you. So uh you were telling the story about your fishing? Oh yeah. Uh so I got the green light to go fishing yesterday, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And this is from the wife. This is from the wife, right? Like Commander-in-chief. Uh, Commander-in-chief, uh, supreme commander, leader of all things, in charge of my calendar. So yesterday afternoon, I get, I get all my flies ready. I rig up a couple rods and reels because I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going deeper this time of year. I know where I'm going to fish. I'm all excited. Last night we finished dinner. We're getting, re we're cleaning up. We're getting ready for bed. She's like, "You're taking the boys tomorrow, right?" 
And I went, what? How many of the boys? She's like, you better strap up that uh, the the um, uh, your car seat. Yeah, right. Uh, in the old uh, in the I, old D thirteen, <laughs> and I'm like Barrett. She's like, no, he's only five months old. And I was like, okay, but the <laughs> other two, huh? She's like, yeah. And I said, I'm not gonna go musky fishing in the morning because I don't need a seven year old and a three year old running around the boat while I'm throwing a wet sock with two six odd hooks around. So uh, we got up this morning. Well, let me rephrase that. The kids woke me up because it 6.15, when they normally get up, turned into 5.15 for them. So we got up, uh, rigged up gear. I'm going to admit to fishing gear today because you can't catch walleye at 10 feet deep generally with a fly rod. So Well, when you're walleye fishing, you're out there for the meat. That and that's all I that's all I wanted. So we we headed north to the good walleye holes from where I live, and before we even got to the boat launch, I counted thirty boats. So I yeah, that's how I felt. So I I did a U turn in the middle of the four lanes, and I shot back down, uh, and I launched at my local ramp because I I know a couple spots that are that are good, and uh, we we just got to it, uh, just jig heads and plastic. And the boys were generally Power pretty bait. pretty good. Silas, no, Silas is awful. Uh, I put a split shot on the end of Silas's hook on the end of Silas's line, and that was it. Because he likes to use it like a bull whip. And I I try to teach him, but he's three, right? Like I don't want it to be a bad experience for him. So then the rest of his life he's like, I don't want to fish because Papa used to yell at me. So I put a <laughs> I put a single split <laughs> shot on, so he can throw it out. Xavier was doing all right. Uh, why are we giggling? <laughs> just the way you said that, yeah. it was perfect. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. I, I just had a whole like flash forward of like your kid in the future just <laughs> completely <laughs> breaking down. Like, I don't want to go fishing anymore, Dad. <laughs> You're a complete dick. You're a dick. You don't even put a hook on the end of my line, for Christ's sake. Well, that was for everybody's safety, right? I gotcha. <laughs> uh... And, but Xavier did great. He caught two or three this morning. Little fellers. Uh, you know, for the first hour and a half, the biggest fish we caught was like 10, 11 inches. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I'm going to have suffered through this. I enjoy fishing with my kids, but it's it's hard, right? Like oh, sure. A seven-year-old yeah. and a three-year-old, I'm not really getting to fish. Three-year-old gets bored after like a minute. So luckily, I had the wherewithal to bring his iPad. Uh, so he sat on the center console. Uh, he played Kidopia, which is apparently a, a kid game. Uh, and then I got to fish with Xavier, and Xavier caught Xavier caught a couple. I caught, I don't know, half a dozen, eight fish under 11 inches, which is really, really morale boosting. And then I'm like, you know what? We're going to give another half an hour. Uh, moved spots, and uh, then we got one like, 14 and i was like that's almost 14 but it's gotta go threw it back over uh and then i got two more one was like 19 and a half and then like 20 and a half so i got some meat which which pleases me it's the only freshwater fish i will keep and kill uh and xavier got to see some big fish and silas got to see some big fish and it was it was cool i mean xavier's only ever seen one other big fish 
And if it wasn't seven thirty, I'd I'd call him right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, I've heard the, this one before. His, he took his son musky fishing, and and just somehow he caught this musky, and he did not have a camera. A PB. <laughs> he, oh, nothing, man. nothing. No phone, nothing. He left his phone. He threw it off the side of the boat. Apparently, when he. And he caught this fish. And, so, then, and then the cherry on the top of the story was he moved one bigger than that after that. <laughs> so, you know. He saw that one, we still The kid saw to, that one. Yeah, it's okay, We still buddy. have to, yeah. You all right? I went walleye fishing today, and I caught two walleye. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk to his kid sometime here, and we're going to get this story. One way or the other, if I have to re- if I have to record it on my phone when I go up to Chris's here, when he's gonna we're gonna boil some uh, maple syrup. We are going to boil some maple syrup. But uh, we, are, I am going to the Lake Erie Maple Festival on Friday in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, to learn go. to learn all about uh, tubing applications because we tap fifty five trees, right? And each one of them has a bucket on it, and we've got to schlep that bucket. <coughs> Schlep it. Schlep it to the. I put it on the four. I put a trailer on the four wheeler, and we drive it back to the sugar shack and dump it in a tote. But if we can run tubing to one two hundred and seventy five gallon tote, and then pump that out, it would really change our lives. Uh, and and in a couple of years, it's not going to matter because, you know, my buddy Greg that does it with me has three kids, and I have three kids. So eventually, they will be the horsepower we're lacking right now. I mean, right now, the oldest of them is like nine, and she's not able to carry. She's not a, schlepping anything. She can't carry a five-gallon bucket of sap. <laughs> so it's just us and, and his father-in-law, who is 80, and he'll, he'll schlep two buckets, one in each hand. We're ha- schlepping. Still ha- going at it. Half a mile through the woods. He's, he's got it. He's a, he's a good dude. He's in great shape. Have you ever spilled a five-gallon a bucket of sap on yourself? More it, times than I would like to. I bet you that sucks. It really does. Cause, I bet. Because that's a that's it sounds like a mess. A, sticky it, situation. A it's cold. <laughs> yeah. A it's cold AF, right? Uh B, then it dries and your pants stick to you. It's it's awful. It really is. Hmm. Uh but we we lose a lot in the trailer, right? Because we have to have holes in the buckets to get the tubes down into. So we probably lose five to ten gallons every trailer trip of sap. You can't just like plug the hole up with something from duct tape it. I mean, we could, but I mean, wouldn't that be the smart thing to do? I don't think you understand how lazy <laughs> works, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I understand completely how lazy works. Oh. I don't know. Laziest guy out It's here. enough work as it is. I'm not here oh, trying oh, to so whittle. Clean, so cleaning five to ten gallons of sap out of a truck bed, that, that's more fun? Oh, no, it's a trailer. Like oh, a, or a like trailer? A, we don't clean it out, dude. Oh, Jesus. Like it's a dump trailer. <laughs> like I push the button and it dumps. Hmm. Not not a hydraulic dump trailer. It's a mechanical. I was but about to say, you just out here eating buckets of <laughs> maple yeah. syrup off the back. That's right. Well, it's just sap. I mean, it's it's 40 to 1 on our sugar maples. So, like, if we lose five gallons, it's it's not really killing our yield. Right? Gotcha. But uh, if we can make it efficient and I can do less work, I'm interested in that. Because the fun time is, A, tapping the trees. Tapping the trees is a blast. We usually do that on President's Day. You're just 
tromping through the woods with your kids and your whole family usually goes drilling holes and placing buckets. That's a great time. And then boiling. Boiling's fun. Uh, everything in between kind of sucks, but the boiling's fun. And then draw off is a, is a blast. Your first cook of the year, you don't draw off the first day, which sucks, but it's still cool. Because everything, your first cook of the year is all pure sap. 100%. Hmm. So you've got to cook for multiple, 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 multiple hours. It's called uh, sugaring the pan so that the sap that you leave in the pan has still some sugar content in it. So it's a, it's a, like a three-way pan, like an S. So the cold, the cold sap goes in one part, it comes down, and then it doubles back up, and then the gravity... And the heat actually moves the more the the more concentrated sap to the end where your draw off is. So you can you can visually see it that where the where the sap's coming in, it's clear, and then that middle line it starts to get a little darker, and then at the very end it's super dark. So how so like say for example, how much sap would you have to to boil down to get like an actual like a size bottle that you would buy from a store. A gallon bottle, uh, if you have pure sugar maple, it's going to take forty gallons of sap to get you one gallon of maple syrup. Wow, yeah, that's a lot. Wow, that's a lot. And and I built a reverse osmosis system out of house RO uh, filters, so I I got a I got a little aquarium pump that I can adjust it on and a, and a regular water filter. And then it goes through five different membranes. And then that gets pumped into our evaporator. And that takes about 50% of the water out. So if you've got pure sugar maples, it goes from 40 to one to 20 to one, hmm. which, which makes a huge difference, but it doesn't always run optimally. And it's temperature dependent. Like it's gotta be a perfect 57 degrees. So if it's 30 degrees, maybe you're dropping it to like 30 to one. But, and we don't have all sugar maples. A lot of our, you know, probably a third of ours are red maples and those are 60 to one. So if we've got a third at 60 to one and two thirds at 40 to one, you know, it's closer to 47 and a half gallons to get one gallon of maple syrup. It's a labor of love. It is. Plus, we get to drink beer while the fire goes. Oh, that makes that helps. Yeah. yeah. See, that makes it all better. It's <laughs> yeah. just another reason to drink beer. Exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's that's, f- that's the part that I want to I want to be a part of the drinking the beer and hanging out and watching yeah. the shit boil. Yeah, Jay's gonna show up at noon and be like, "Did you guys get all the sap out of the woods?" We're <laughs> <laughs> like, "No, we left you fifteen buckets, you little." <laughs> little guy <laughs> thanks thanks that, that's what i thought guy guy yeah guy yeah <laughs> how did we get on maple syrup i i, I was just saying uh i don't know how we got a maple syrup there i mentioned it we i don't know how it got mentioned we need a button for whenever other. we go off the rails just yeah. plays crazy i, I used to be that button second. but you know hell <laughs> i like hearing about it uh i was with a guy who had maple syrup oh, he had i know how we did it how we do it? You said you were going to talk to my son about musky fishing when he was out there. Oh, and when we making yes. maple syrup. Yep. 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 Uh, yeah. That's there. Where we are. Full circle. Yes. Full circle here. 
Um, so we're going on a, a trip to Niagara. And I mentioned earlier, uh, Dave goes with us. Tim also out there fishing away. Um, it's hard. It's hard yeah, fishing. Like it's rough out you there. Know, and I, I I know I explained my experience down there uh, a few times. Just just the first time you walk down on it, you you're like, how in the hell am I going to catch fish here? Like there's this is a lot of big big biggest piece of water that I've will ever probably fish. I mean one of them. Uh, just so much water moving, and you just don't I you know to comprehend how it all and it just h- happens right right in front of you. You know it's you're fishing it there has to be fish just everywhere out there and i can't even imagine how many um a lot of times you get to see them coming up whatever else the lake trout and just moving all around salmon coming up here and there you could see them off the the walk down and what's your goal there lake trout salmon steelhead i like catching steelhead Ste- well, browns yeah browns. browns a brown and a steelhead are really what i'm out there for cause yeah okay i mean the lakers are fun they dog the hell out of you they'll run you and a steelhead, it takes off. Yes, yeah, steel, steelhead are fun. And there it can go 20 feet down immediately, then come out of the air, back up, and, you know, 10 feet in the air. And just be just, you're like, there's line in the water, your line's over here, you have, and this fish is just jumping, and then another jump. And, man, I've had him jump six six times or so. All the way back in, basically into <laughs> into the sh- you know shore, and and you've still got like thirty feet of line out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and, you're yeah. Still, and you're still trying. <laughs> and finally, you're trying to catch up. And you know what you need? A large arbor hatch. I, I have a, <laughs> I have a couple of large arbor reels, and it's just yeah, any any reel. It, I mean, it's just catching large up. Large arbor. Yeah, it's it's, ticket. it's hard though. Like yeah, I have uh, the Grande. I use. Oh, that's a great yeah. reel. So. Yeah, they go it's, out there and they catch that current and they go downriver super fast. You're trying to get all your line back and you're like, oh, they are gone. They're heading to they're heading to the lake. <laughs> he caught awesome. a nice brown last year. Uh, yeah. You can explain that one a little bit if you on want a to. Fl- but on a fly rod, right? No, <laughs> I wish I could say that, <laughs> but no, it was on. It was with the year. We're gonna shame you into f- into fly fishing but, now, like we did to Jimbo. Hi, but were you you were using a bead, right? <laughs> yeah, I was bead fishing still. Yeah. Using, it, it, yeah, he's not running, using egg sacs, so yeah, I was running double beads, and it hit the top bead. Is there a difference? No, and I love <laughs> beads, though. I'll 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 run beads there all day. Oh, I will too. Uh, I'll I'll steelhead fish with with beads. I'm I'm okay with that. I almost caught two brown trout, but then uh, my good buddy Tim over here was a little jealous, so he knocked it off with the net right at the bank. So, oh. Hey, I am. How about that second brown child? <laughs> Have you I or a loved one been affected by a net man? You <laughs> may be entitled to financial compensation. Yeah, thanks for sending that to Mark oh. this week, buddy. <laughs> he was like, did you send that to Sims? I was like, no, I figured you would like to do the honors. Oh. Mark sent it to me, and I was like, how much do I owe you, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no stranger to... Uh, and It was my screw-up, but it wasn't my fault. I, I missed... Net. It was his fault and his screw up. I yeah. missed netting a muskie. Don't don't worry, we won't make you don't you don't gotta go back down your rabbit hole. I, you know, but I, I know net pain. To your defense, yeah. Tim, uh, I've I've netted a lot of fish out of there, and it's not always easy. That's a tough place to net a fish. There's not a million places you can get that close to the water and not you know if you make one accidental 
fall 30 feet down. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to fall into the water, and then your waders are going to fill up, and nobody's ever going to see you again. I don't true. Want, I don't true. want that to happen. So sometimes you have to take your chances and just be like, okay, well, that's not, it's no, we're not netting it this time. Gets another run, or I have, I've done the same things. It's, Happens you to know, the best it's of us. head first, tail first, the whole, uh, you know, argument we've always gotten into on this podcast. Uh, I like, it, it depends on the situation, but if a guy swings the fish down to the bank, I can be underneath it and he could just let the fly line go. <coughs> fish is falling right into the net <laughs> from the rear end, you know, yeah, but yeah. everybody else has told me I'm an idiot. So I think it's all situational though. I mean, let's not say because you do this, you are or aren't an idiot. We've got a lot of proof otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I think it depends, though. You know, if you're pulling the fish in and it's it's coming in head first, then sure. Yeah, but if you're your net man's down below you and... Yeah, if you already got the net down there. Yeah, and that river's ripping, right? Let him go. Yeah. Let him yeah. just drift a second into the net and... Away you go. And drop your drop your rod or let the line go. Mm-hmm. And that fish will fall right boom, right into the net. Now do you guys do you let your fly line bow in the current at all? I mean, do you let the current work with your line and try to fight that fish back over to you guys? When? Like when you're fighting a fish? Yeah. Um instead of like fighting up here like how you would like whenever I'm fight like whenever I was in New York fighting, I'm digging the tip of that rod down. I'm letting that fly line bow in that current. I'm no, that you can't bring that fish back to you bring can't. The fish back to There's me. no way. Just because the current is so, it's just so weird, and there's so much current. Like sometimes it, the fish will get so far away or so deep that it just puts a, a so much of a bow in your line already. It just pops the hook right out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. It just turns the hook because it's such such a bow. I've had that, and you just you're just reeling in your uh, everything. At least you didn't lose it all, but. Yeah, that current is so different down there. You like, got to get down there with us, Jimmy. I, I want to go. You're, you're, a, you're a, you like steelhead fishing. Listen, it ain't nothing but a drive for me, man. All you got to do is just send me a pin. Ryan sent me a picture uh, this week. He caught a beautiful brown out of there. Ryan Evans of yeah. Queen City Guiding, oh, friend yeah. of the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll pull it up for you, Chris, real quick. But uh, this was a big, big brown. You could. Show those guys. I sh- I showed Dave already because we're getting we're getting all pumped up over here, trying to look at things that are maybe in our future. That is a yeah. oh look how fat that thing is. Yeah, it was that's a all of twenty six or something. I like twenty seven. I like everything about that picture except for that hat. Oh, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they're about <laughs> to, they're about to get their ass whipped by the Cincinnati Bengals. We're gonna watch that here in just two seconds since Dallas just lost. And I don't um, dislike the Bills, but. The Bills' fervor is real. The the the, Bill, the Bills' fervor is equivalent to like Eagles' fervor, right? Like Bills fans are, they're not as rabid as e- Eagles fans. I think they're a little more happy-go-lucky and the, a little more fun. They're, they're, they're more like, fun. I think, they're I think the ten mof- times more fun. Yeah, they're not as crazy. I think the mafia is just it's just them wanting to be fans of their team. It's the table than, thing that gets me. I like the, I like yeah. that though. Let's, but let's send it through the table, bro. I don't understand it. Like, I mean, I get Philly just burns its city down. Yeah, and and <laughs> Buffalo just jumps on a table. But like, I don't understand it. And I asked when we were at the Beast. I asked. Uh, I asked Ryan. 
I asked Nikki. I asked. I asked all those guys. Like, what's with the pay table thing? They're like, we actually don't know. We just do it. I'm like, all right. I think they explained it on one of the pre-game shows in the last couple of weeks, but or they at least they had a. It was on when they were on Thursday night football, because uh, uh, Fitzmagic, Fitzmagic had his had his hair hanging out, and he was he was uh, sending things through the tables. Him and Whitworth were out there doing it, so. I don't know. Looks like fun. Uh, yeah, but that brown looks like a ton of fun. And I've had it a couple years there. And it's all, I think it's all, you know, cyclical, I guess I will call it. You know, every few years you're going to have a better run of this or that. Better or, brown yeah, run. Yeah, like year, I've had years where we caught more browns. Everybody was catching a couple real nice ones. And I've had years where it was just, you know, Laker after Laker after Laker. Now, brown. Uh, years where a lot of steelhead. And, and I, I really enjoyed those years. Browns don't die like no, like coho, and, no, and salmon. They'll go up, they'll breed, and they'll work their way back down. Sure. Yeah. So, if you have like a hungry year of Browns or like a good year, a good stocking year of Browns, a couple of years later, I'm assuming it would be a better year for for fishing for them, right? Yeah. I don't know how it all works. I'm I'm not a scientist. I just know it, you see that kind of similar situation where some years are just better and some aren't uh, hey zach uh instead of uh, lambasting me <laughs> no keep lambasting chris i, love I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> i do i think it's great <laughs> maybe maybe talk about uh why some years you catch more brown trout and you catch more steelhead than lakers or or vice versa He's uh, and thank, thank thank you for always thank you uh, for honestly. participating and being somebody who's always voicing in on you know our content and I, I I love it yeah the deer conversation was actually super interesting yes uh, I didn't comment on it because I had nothing positive to say after <laughs> we're gonna have to get <laughs> we're gonna have to get him on here to just do this live yeah one of these days too uh, Zach I I'll tell you what like you make your pilgrimage over here I'll take you fishing. Uh, turns out you're you're not gonna catch anything, and if you come even close, I will screw up the net job. <laughs> but I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to take you, uh, or come make maple syrup with us. Don't fish, uh, drink beer, and regale us with uh, your fishing stories and fun things. So I think we got off topic of uh, Dave's Dave's beautiful brown there, though, because of the gear situation. Huh. But uh. It's okay. Wow. It's okay. That's how that started? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we will get back to that, though. Uh, so, you know, you're down there. Y'all are fishing together. We're all not together because the area, it's hard to fit a million people oh, in yeah. every spot. You got to get there early. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, had to fight off crackheads <laughs> for spots before. So I We've know, all I, been I, there down there. I know how this can be. You know, it can be bad. Um, but... You know, you're you're down there with Tim. Tim's over here just killing it. They're all everybody's killing it. We're all you're all catching fish, and then this brown's on there. So, you know, I know when I had a, my buddy tells me I have making my biggest brown on. You know, it's a big brown trout, and then all of a sudden now I'm like more worried about it. Exactly. You know, uh, go go through it a little bit, and we'll, we'll try to keep our mouth shut. So this is probably not even like 20 minutes after catching the first brown. I don't know if they got kind of like stacked up there in the current seam for a little bit just to rest, but I cast back out there. Were you on the, uh, you were down river? Yeah, down us. river from yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, 
I hook into it and I get it closed and the water's pretty clear and I could see it down there. I'm like, oh, Tim, it's another brown. Get the net. So Tim like stumbles over, runs over, grabs the net. I'm like, all right, I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up. And he goes down to get it, goes down to net it. And as soon as he goes down, I think he smacks the line and just pops right off. And I'm just like, I just look at him. I'm like, dude, I, I think you just knocked the brown shot off. <laughs> I didn't hold him against it, though. You? Not you, Tim. You're not. No, we don't drink. You would have never done that. No. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just a it's a it's a good time up there. It is. It's something different. It's a place that is very hard to fish three days. Uh, hopefully, I know I talked about it last week. Uh, we've been tying a lot of flies. My dad and his friend that's coming up. That you know those guys are in their sixties or yeah, pushing right around. Yeah, it's gonna be um, forty. Yeah, dad's sixty. Yeah, my dad's sixty now. So you know it's getting a little older and. You know, you always worry. You know, it's like, man, that that could be a dangerous place to walk down into. Steep mountain, yeah. yeah. You, you, you know, some places you have ropes and you're roping yourself down. And I just, Feels I'm like just gonna climbing. try to get uh, these two old men up and down that hill uh, safely, and uh, hopefully catch some fish. Hopefully they catch some fish. You know, uh, definitely. Excited. It's always it's always fun. Thanks, Tim, for getting the B and B again. Uh, appreciate it. You're the real MVP. Yeah, you're the you're the responsible one that actually gets us a place to stay. In the hood. Is this one in the hood? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it is this year. It's a nice neighborhood. The last one was in a nice neighborhood. It was it was I was fine with it. Yeah, it was on a good road. Just don't go in the backyard. The only thing I need is uh I just need a room of my own or a room without people who snore. Uh, we can if we can bunk up Dad and Woody again, and they can <laughs> they can saw all night. Uh, that's fine. But uh, I I cannot deal with people who snore. It's a job for the CPAP Symphony. Oh, I I, <laughs> I, I would if my I would kill for my dad to have a CPAP instead of snoring like he does on fishing trips. I'm like I can't even sleep in the same room or anywhere around you guys. Like I need earplugs. Like this is terrible. We're going to have some more good food this year, Jay. CPAP, baby. Jessica's making some good food. Tim's girlfriend's making good food. We're going to be eating like kings this year. There you go. I like that's what we that's what here we like to hear. Yeah, that's that's my jam. Is if I'm going on a fishing trip, I'd like to be in charge mm-hmm. of the menu. Just need to turn everything into the beast. Yeah. I if I'm not going to be in charge of the menu, I want to know what else is going on. Right, so that I know that we are eating well. Well, Chris, I know you take your eating and your cooking very seriously. You really clean that up well. You t- <laughs> just like I was a little guy, right? Right. Yeah, God, little, you little guy, you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, but no, you do, and I, I, I'm not a complainer. I think it's great. Yeah. I love, I love eating well. I love to cook, and. Also, clearly eat, but love to cook. So, what's what's your fiance? And see what's going to happen here. You you see you, now when then you go get married, <laughs> and then you know you're probably going to have less hunting and less fishing time. Have a yep, couple of the, yep. have a, have a couple of those kids while you're at it. Good uh-huh. thing you, you got know? the deer of a lifetime already. Knock that's, it out of the way. That's not yeah. the other thing you'll have less of. <laughs> <laughs> Time, manhood, money. Uh, oh, know, there's, the there's one other thing. Oh, <laughs> 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 I don't even. I don't even remember what that stuff was. Uh, 
honestly, just 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 run away now, man. To just try to escape. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. At least you tracked the deer with you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like driving over here today, I was thinking to myself, what would life be like if I had, if I did what I did? Like if I had, if I had my current career. And the opportunities that were afforded Watch to me. what we say. And I was single. <laughs> like, could I have kept this career? Right? Like, because I need to be home. I need to be in the office. I need to be. Yeah. I need to be here. Could I have, could I have handled it? Or would I be hammered all the time traveling everywhere to fish for everything to the point where like, my my livelihood, my my income, my my careers would have been affected because I'm like, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm going to Utah. I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to Louisiana. And I came, I came to the conclusion that I would not have been able to keep any of my jobs, money, careers, or opportunities <laughs> had I been single. But you'd have had a Jolly Roger. <laughs> Thumbs who, down for exploration. Who says I won't? Mm. I, 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 I'm Just let me touch though. it. I say it all the time. I'm the same way. I, I my wife went out of town for like th- two or three days to Vegas. You know, we were here. Everybody yeah, yeah. was here. Um, I couldn't survive. Yeah, I'm like I can't survive. No, there's no way. I I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. I wouldn't be able to do anything. I'm just like here, lady. Make sure everything <laughs> runs okay. And um, yeah, I would, don't tell me. <laughs> and you have those fleeting thoughts. I want to like, be oblivious to everything in life. I love it. You have those fleeting thoughts. You're like, man, if I was single, I could go fishing whenever I wanted, or I could do this. But I would also be dead. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like seven or eight times over. Yeah. I'd be dead broke. Uh, living in a van down by the river, anything. Uh, yeah, but you'd, I would. You'd find me with like, I'd be uh, on the side of the Niagara River with just a fire. I've been lived there for four months already by myself, just down there scrapping off other people, yeah. fishing, fishing, killing them. I would have burnt yeah. through the sea deck on my boat because <laughs> that's where my fire ring was. Yeah. <laughs> like I just I'm sleep living on this thing. I just sleep here now. <laughs> you know, in today's economy, I'm sure living in a van down by the river isn't cheap. And you know what? You're right. You're right. You could start a YouTube channel and make millions of dollars living in a van down by the river. You know how many YouTube channels are out there based on the RV life and yeah, I want to live in a van. I want to live in a van down by the river. You know what? You think that the Niagara, and then eh, and then maybe, you, and then you realize like you can come home and be like, I had a rough day, and your wife's like, I don't care. Who else is gonna say I don't care to you? If you don't have a spouse, I will well, say no, 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 no. My, my, my wife once lived in a van by the river too. Oh, nice. So I, you know, I just have to come home to the van by the river and say, "I had a rough day." And usually, she'll say she doesn't. I, I usually don't say that because I usually just keep those thoughts and, and feelings inside. That's how we do that. And, we and, internalize and, it. And, and put it away and, and, and just never let it go. Well, and carry it deep down. I, I sit and have a couple beers with Tim after work, and that just calms me right down. I get to come home and be a happy guy. Until it comes out in a fit of alcoholic rage. I don't do that anymore. I don't either. <laughs> but my wife and I had a fight the other night, and it Again, was like... watch what we say on the podcast. No, no. this isn't bad. It was everything that we had pent up 
for like weeks. And it was it was a doozy. And I don't yell, right? Like that's <laughs> I never yell. Uh, ever since I got out of law enforcement, I don't raise my voice. I don't yell at people. What I do is I will break you down psychologically. <laughs> I will use the thickest sarcasm and the smoothest voice and be like, I don't understand why you're yelling right now. Why do you have to take that tactic when I would really like to just have a conversation <laughs> with you and about how stupid you are being? I'm like Bill Burr. <laughs> I am freaking out and exploding on anything, <laughs> okay? I am definitely just, and again, if you listen to any of his comedy, oh, I love he's Bill Burr. great. Like, Bill Burr's the best. He is. That's he's me. awesome. That's me in a nutshell. Uh-huh. Let's work on you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, we're working on me again? Yes, okay. Yeah. Well, what, what tell we, me what's what, wrong now. What are we going to work on you? Yeah, we're working <laughs> on me. <laughs> you know, uh, his comedy is great. Uh, but I'm a work in progress. And I know, I know what I'm doing. Right, like I know my wife just wants me to yell at her so she can yell back, and and I I and she yells anyway. But I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna. Not get taking it. it there. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm Life not, lessons, Dave. You just sit here and <laughs> I'm we'll, soaking we're, it up. Yeah, you better soak it up, bud. Yeah, Dave. Here's here's the biggest piece of advice I can give you about getting married, is you can either be happy, or you can be right. <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> Sounds good. Even at forty three and forty, we are still learning these things. Oh my! And and honest to God, the the happier right thing, like you know you're right. You know this is the right way to do it. You could shut your mouth, do it wrong, and then be like, oh, let's try it a different way. Or you could say that's the wrong way to do it. What you have worked on is incorrect. Because what they hear is, you're stupid. You're stupid. You don't know anything because you're stupid. Life, so <laughs> life lessons here from Chris, Tim. <laughs> Listen in. You're not saying hey, that take, at all. Take note. I, I, me, and, me and Tim you're, have had tons of uh, life talks. Yeah, you're not saying that. To the point where we don't even talk at work anymore because he doesn't like me. But that's what they hear. <laughs> Trust me. It, and it's I not, will follow your advice. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Happy or right? Happy or right. Happier. Also, I'm don't always talk wrong. I just, I'll just take it. I'm good. I'm also, wrong. Also, <laughs> another piece of solid advice: don't shit on your wife's family on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't do that either. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> I don't that see how that's relevant. It's just good advice. Yeah, yeah. Just don't. Yeah, exactly. What are we saying here? Um, all right. Well, hey, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we will have Tim. Hey, we're back with Tim Ponslov. Uh, Spaco fly reels. Um, Tim, you and I, like I was saying a minute ago, we uh, had a great conversation uh, a couple weeks ago or last Sunday, I think it was. Um, yeah. But uh, we talked a lot about what you're doing now. You um, just moved into a new facility. Um, and let's go into how that went. And um, then we'll move into your reels and products. Cool, man. Yeah, I bought a... a a, a toy factory in a small town called Oconto in northern Wisconsin. It was built back in like 1940. And um, yeah, I acquired it and uh, ran an 800 amp. And now we're in the midst of remodeling it. Um, yeah, it's 
like I said, it's a cool building, a lot of character, and I got a really good deal on it. It's just uh, we're going to put it like some living style space where we can kind of hang out and show off the reels. I'll set up all my guitars and, you know, set up a few offices. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty big place, man. You guys will have to come uh, visit it sometime, man. Take you out fishing on the home waters. Yeah, we we've we've talked about for years making a pilgrimage out to uh, Wisconsin. My my mom is originally from La Crosse. Oh, very cool. I mean, if you're gonna come all that way, I mean, you should come fishing muskies in the spring. You know, that's all I want that, to do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the yeah. Great Lakes muskie in the Bay of Green Bay holds just immense fish. You guys would freak. You know, like. Uh, you know, we have some brown fishing right now and, you know, steelhead. We get a natural run of, like, pink salmon. You know, we have decent amounts of uh, cohos as well that naturally produce. And they're starting to put the skamania stock back in, and we'll see <laughs> how those do. That would be great. It's a summer run steelhead. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, you guys have a, a really good fishery going on. In your neck of the woods too. I'll have to come down and visit that way. Yeah, our fishery is wonderful. I I love it. The uh, I don't feel like it's great, like great at anything. But boy, we have such a great variety of fishing. And I mean, it's a good musky fishery. There's a lot of different fishing. Um, you know, it's good for steelheading. But it, I I feel like it's you know just. Sometimes it could be more a little marginal. I mean, it's great for it. Just I feel like it's. I would say it's above average for almost everything but largemouth. Yeah, that's that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's fair. That's pretty cool though. But it's not Wisconsin for musky. It's not you know some of these other right. places for these other you know fish. Even you go to yeah, it's not Michigan but, for for uh, smallmouth. Yeah, it's not Wisconsin for musk or Minnesota. Yeah. Or, oh, we have killer smallmouth fishing. Oh my gosh, it's. You know, it's interesting about like Wisconsin, like one side is all spring creeks and it flows out to the Mississippi. So that whole ridge all the way up to the Brule, which that one, you know, it's kind of like the top of the spring creeks. And that one actually flows into Superior. And then you have all the, you know, one side of our state is all the Mississippi water drainage. That's all musky um, and a huge brown trout. You know, because they're all spring creeks and they have, uh, they, what is it, the driftless area. And then on my side of the state, you know, it all flows into Lake Michigan. And, you know, so then we have everything that Lake Michigan offers, you know, salmon, steelhead, coho, you know, then all the runs of rough fish and gigantic great carp fishing, you know, smallmouth fishing is just unbelievable. Um, it's just a great, a lot of a lot of northern you know but our steelhead runs haven't really been that strong um we just don't have we just our rivers don't hold the flow to the south they're they go up and down very fast um and the ones to the north that you know they the fish kind of get lost in all the river you know what i mean but but that's okay the whole the great lakes are my home water so i go wherever you know over to michigan go up to canada go all over the place yeah you you are in a very good location to be within a couple hours of whatever species you want to catch 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's a, you know, like, I love the Great Lakes. I mean, I encourage anybody that would be listening, if you don't come and visit by me, come visit somewhere along. It's such a vast region, you know, like 20 hours around Lake Superior from me, you know, and Lake Michigan is gigantic, 18 hours around, and, you know, yeah, it's, uh, Wisconsin's a pretty cool place, that's for sure. Great fishing. And not a lot of people, which is kind of cool. So compared, we're getting on like you're fishing a little more. Uh, How I want to go back a little bit. Like, so how how did you, you know, a guy from Wisconsin? How did you get into making reels? Like, what was it about, um, you know, lathing out all the parts and making a reel for you that that's what you like to do? Yeah, uh, like probably about uh, 17 years ago um, when eBay first kind of came out, um, I was trying to win, you know, like a Click and Paul reel, like an old JW Young and Sons. And dude, I like (laughs) kept on not being able to win because I was the worst. I mean, I never turned on a computer really. So trying to win something on eBay was impossible and i just started making them for myself and um it turned out that there was a there was a small machine shop that my brother just started to um insure and they had a lathe and a mill and it was all manual you know and i basically worked out something where i would <clears throat> help them out and, but all I wanted in return was just be able to use the lathe in the mill. And I was just making it for myself because I had another, you know, couple full-time businesses that I was running at that time. And, um, yeah, and they turned out great. <clears throat> a couple of my buddies encouraged me to make a few. And, you know, I made just a small run and they sold out right away. So did you, like, look up some sort of design? Did you just come up with your own design, draw it up yourself? Or uh, <clears throat> was it a, uh, again, did you just, hey, I'm going to check, I want to do this kind of, you know, thing, and this is how it's done? Yeah, I took um, I took my kids, um, uh, not rollers, you know, like, um, the name's eluding me. It's a, a skateboard apart and i took those two ball bearings and then just designed the reel around having those two ball bearings be the bearing surface and uh yeah and then just came up with different styles of checks and you know different gears and just kind of did it and you know like now i'm like just working on like version four you know, like another checking option and um, working on a double-sided reel. So, like, one side will have the super loud new, like, it's kind of a cross-blend of all my checks and super loud, really reliable and nice. And fished in Newfoundland all summer and got some really hot kings on it in September. And, um, yeah, it's a real solid and then the opposite side of the reel is going to have a, an adjustable break because some of my clients over in like Norway and Sweden and Finland and those areas, they, 
they like to have that extra braking power to the reels. So what do you use for a drag right now? So my Hexad drag, it's like a six point drag against a gear. It's really nice and smooth and mm-hmm. really reliable and light, real maintenance free, you know, um, and really f- affordable to like repack, like, you know, like I would say every like five, six years or so, you know, like the, the, like the rebrite pack is like, you know, 20 bucks ship worldwide for, you know, t- for the parts to service the reel. And yeah, man, you know, it's just, nice and smooth and nice and reliable and light i love it you know the new one a little bit heavier or whatever but i mean it makes up for it in the racket you know so it's a very loud (laughs) Hmm. i kind of wanted to design the world's loudest fly reel you know Hmm. i have a couple hardies uh how much louder are you than a click and paul hardy yeah, it's pretty loud, man. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's louder. Yeah, it's it's that. We were, <clears throat> uh, my buddy Pinchakowski was just getting done with a guiding trip. He was guiding one of the guests from Newfoundland. He had come up, and uh, they've been they were chasing Browns all day today. And he was playing around with this. It was an old Hardy. Um, a customer gave it to me. It was a, I don't want to say it's like, like a Fortuna or and like it was number two and the thing seven inches in diameter you should hear how loud that thing is that's definitely the world's loud, but it's not a fly reel it's like a trolling reel for tuna but mm-hmm. seven inches in diameter and the che- the check in the inside is literally an inch and a half tall and almost a quarter inch thick it's it's just insane and such a cool reel it just sits on my shelf you know something fun to have you know? so have you always been a spay guy or uh how'd that yeah, well i well i the fishing addiction started probably when i was like four you know um i just always loved the fish spinning gear bass and plastic worms and whatever you know just fishing as a kid and um yeah so then it, like i started bought an old fly rod to catch bass like largemouth bass and um and then, uh, you know, I was always really into like musky fishing with like spinning gear, making the lures and just, you know, I've been making lures since I've been a little kid. Instead of buying these super expensive musky lures, I just make them, you know, bend up the metal and pound out the spinners and cut a lot of parts out of wood, to, you know, and they would, and that was kind of fun because it's almost like fly tying, you know, but you get to make the the musky lure for them i take spokes out of like bicycles and use that for the spinner blade wire and you know nice. the through wires you know so like i had like this old crummy lathe and you know i basically shape the you know, we cut a bunch of cedar out of the out of the hunting land and like a tornado came through and knocked down and we had a whole bunch of cedar and so i could make as much as i wanted you know we had a whole barn full of cedar <laughs> right and, um yeah and then it was cheaper and i just buy the packs of hooks from like fleet farm or whatever but but then <clears throat> i found some muskies in the spring on a view to that wouldn't take you know conventional gear and i remember larry dahlberg when i was a really little kid on the farm seeing him fly fishing for 
you know, like for Northern Pike. And I'm like, gosh, I want, it's got to be the same, right? It's a muskie, it's a Northern, it's similar. So I went and got a fly rod and got super lucky, went out, caught one, and then it was game on, man. Like, and then, you know, all the salmon and steelhead and, you know, like, it's just crazy. Fished all the time, you know, and back in that day, we, we used to have the most insane run with so many fish, just thousands. It was crazy. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a great time. And then, uh, I fished so much that like literally I hurt my right arm and, um, gosh, I was probably like 20, 22 maybe when I hurt my shoulder and, um, a buddy at the fly shop just gave me, he, he, he used to work with Hardy, Marty Quedick and he would like, he helped them, you know, back in the seventies, I think in the eighties to get house of Hardy more into the United States. And he helped design some of their advertisement and he designed a reel for them, uh, the, um, the Hardy marksman. It's like a hole through, um, you know, it's like a centerless hub, click and Paul. It's kind of a rare reel. It's real cool though. He was super proud of it. Um, but yeah, he get, he had a double handed rod from England. Right. And he's just like, what you need is this thing. It's going to help your arm. And he was right. You know, like when you're fighting the fish now, it's like you're sticking the butt in your waist and you're kind of pulling back and the reel it was an old, uh, Daiwa reel like one of those 1500 series Daiwa was the first reel that I had and um yeah you fight your you know you're fighting the fish now with your left hand and the, the right arm which was the hurt one I could was just using for reeling so a lot less pressure landing fish and uh, I didn't really know how to cast it and then um one day I ran into this guy John Lee he um and and he he just took second place in what is it in, in uh, California at the uh, first bay casting. He took number two in the over sixty five category, but still excellent caster. And he showed me how and you know and he was he just had a lot of like better gear and you know he had all the sage rods and all these. Uh, Bruce and walkers and <laughs> you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah. So we just kind of fished together a lot. We really got along well and he, you know, he liked to fish with me because I'm more gung ho than your normal fisherman, you know, like most people want to get done and I'm like, well, no, dude, like let's go back out or let's stay out longer or get up earlier or hike a bit further, you know? Um, that's the attitude. That's really that's the attitude we're looking for. What's your fish of choice? Like if you, if you only got to fish for one fish ever again, what would it be? One fish. One fish. Probably Atlantic salmon. Oh boy. Yeah, I really do like them. I mean, I do. I like them. They're they jump higher. They eat. They're, you know, like king salmon, like chrome silver kings are really, really awesome. Um, 
but it's quite an ordeal to land them. You know, like I, I look like, <clears throat> like maybe six fish, you know, this, uh, and I only landed one, you know, um, and is that on your Newfoundland trips? Um, no, uh, the King salmon locally. No, you know, you're, kinda cha- you're, uh, you're, you're Atlantic salmon. Oh yeah. I, well, I, I've been fishing up by the, the St. Mary's rapids since I've been a little kid. So they, there's been Atlantics in there. So I've been fishing them my entire life, you know, um, now they're a, you know, landlocked species or whatever, but you know, once I figured out that I can catch them on muddlers on the surface, I mean, it's all done. I mean, we can't get any more fun, right? Well, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then they just awesome. they, they yeah. you know, like they. What's cool is like they they expel a lot of, and my theory is like Atlantic salmon's jumping out of the water because of those lamprey, trying to sh- shake off the lamprey out in the ocean. I have a feeling when they get hooked and they feel that sting, I think they just jump out of the water try to throw those lamprey off of them and um they seem to expel a lot of their energy jumping out of the water instead of just bulldogging you you know um mm-hmm. and that's what you know that's what's fun about them oh <laughs> you know, absolutely you know, there you know you get to see the take and they're just I don't know, they're just wonderful fish, man. Like, um, and any fish going airborne is awesome. We, yeah, we talked about right. it a little bit earlier in this podcast. Is uh, we're heading up to Niagara this coming week, and you know, cool. steelhead, steelhead in a big, big river like that, like you get to fish out there. It's, you know, it's just a different. It's a different. Uh, man, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. They have every. It's not in a small tributary where there's a limited amount of space for this fish to run. They have yeah. every ability to go wherever the hell they want to go. And, mm-hmm. boy, to get to watch them actually jump out of real water is something else. Yeah, dude. I, I, like, I, I should go with you, man. Like the, That's that's kind of what I'm fishing, that style of water, too, where it's they have all the room to roam that they'd ever want, you know, and... You know, like fishing confined can get tough too. You know, like on something like the Pier Marquette River, it's cool, great, you know, great, wonderful steelhead, but it's so nervous. You like, you, you just can't let them run because they're going to run right into the wood, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it'd be great, you know, get you hook into a, you know, a 15 pounds chrome bright steelhead in a river that's only 50 feet wide and, you know, trees on both sides, you know, it, it's, your landing success is very low and then, you know, they don't have room to roam around, but yeah, if I, I've talked to a lot of clients that fish down by the, um, the Niagara, I've never actually went down and did it. It's, it's too bad. I'm not, it's too bad. I'm right in the middle of remodeling my shop or otherwise I would, uh, <laughs> come down and fish with you guys man that would be really cool it's definitely a lot of fun it's something else um uh, my my i'll go do it every year and it's one of the yearly trips i will take um my dad loves to do it um he's basically the reason this podcast even exists the old pops you know he he, uh, he always took us out all kinds of cool places and i i introduced this one to him and he's like i love this this is amazing. <laughs> we always have to come here. It's not too far. Um, we have great yeah. friends that are guides in the area. 
a few friends that guide the river itself and it's always fun hanging out with all those guys you know and going up there for so many years but um love it. yes and that's that's a, that's the whole thing I, I love the uh you know getting to talk to you uh getting to talk to all these great people out in the uh fly fishing community is what i really uh love doing this for um well, that's the that. same thing with me. I say that all the time about building fishing reels. It's like, dude, I get to talk to all these kick-ass fly fishermen from all around the world every day. It's insane. So getting I mean, back to your reels. Love it. Um, so is is this a – you're building a custom reel for everybody every time, or you have reels that you have set up that are for different sizes, and how's how's that work? Yeah, kind of both, you know, like sometimes I'll have like my pre-builder section where I just kind of build a whole bunch of custom reels, you know, I try not to make everyone look the same, you know, but yeah, I, like a lot of custom work and like, I don't know if you guys saw those, those hand engraved reels by Lisa um, on Instagram, it was a beautiful, I mean, she, incredible artist, you know, she's like a shotgun artist you know she apparently did the um president bush's you know shotgun and all all sorts of really really cool stuff and she did a wonderful job and you know a lot of times i'm you know like if it's something special for like you know weddings or dates or logos of their company or guiding service or whatever you know like you do a lot for charity like black waters and um do a lot of custom reels that just you know but the biggest thing is i i kind of build it around the weight you know so i'll like i take the rod and then i machine out a reel that kind of fits like a blanket size of rod like you know i tried to hit every demographic of rod from a nine foot five weight up to uh you know 17 foot 11 12 and they all take a little bit different specific gravity you know so i can use like brass or stainless or titanium you know adding in you know different feet you know so a lot of times we're worried more about the weight than the actual aesthetics of the reels because I mean, I have so many finishes. It's it's really would be hard just to pick one, and they they all kind of are fun, you know, just different black frames with silver guts and silver with black insides, and mix in all the reds and blues, and you know, the like a you know like a built in gray and black is just super tight looking, um, you know. So there's a lot of pretty stuff and you know and i at, you know i <clears throat> etch some of them so they kind of look like um old leaded reels you know like they look like a plate winder style in the leaded with the brass and you know the bone handle and that kind of stuff so it kind of emulates an old reel from back in the day you know yeah like i said when you guys come over i'll give you a tour of the shop and show you what i do it's pretty fun so uh 
So for like say like over where we're at right now, like the average steel header, what would you recommend as an ideal starter setup if somebody wanted to get it into spay? Uh well yeah, that's a good question. Like a twelve a twelve foot eight weight. You know, and then you can I mean if you're just gonna have one, I mean obviously it's like golfing. You know, so oh, we know. You need, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you need, you need all the different, you know, like, like a, a switch a rod is really handy for fishing a certain size river. You know, I try to match the head, you know, so each, like I said, similar to golfing, but I do it pretty, I don't want to say scientifically, but just very simply where I try to have a skadge and a scanty for every rod that I do have. So, and then I'm worried about like, you know, the length of the head more so than I'm worried, you know, in fly delivery. So like an 11 foot is really handy, you know, that, that 12 and a half, 13, you know, and then when you're going in fishing something like the Niagara, obviously, you know, 15 footers, man, you know, I, I cover, fish cover a, a lot of water. Yeah. I fish a seven weight. So, so let me ask you, like, if like you a, like a thirteen seven or what? No, like I don't swing. You know, like I'm a, I'm, I'm like a, a nine foot, like seven. a nine foot seven <laughs> or eight weight. Um, <laughs> and uh, I actually I take a two hander. I do take a two hander there. Um, it's a switch rod though. It's a little smaller. Okay. Uh, it's uh, eleven and a half foot, uh, six weight, and it's probably okay. a little light for the situation, but. It does and make things easier to turn over, and if I want to swing, I can, and I like that too. It's fun there. Yeah, and it, you know, I'd have to take a look at the spot. I mean, if you do, if you have limited back cast at all, you can't. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, and then that then that switch rod would be handy, you know. But if you can get out, you know, twenty feet from you know off the bank, you know, then you know being able to cast further. But who knows? Even in that current, those fish might be as Hanging close to shore, they might. Oh, they're right underneath you. Yeah, it's twenty. Right. Yeah, you're fifteen feet right below you. So, So if somebody wanted one of your reels on a traditional nine foot fly rod, like let's say you want like an eight weight, a ten weight, and a twelve weight, which reel would you recommend for each of those of your reels? Because like your reels are beautiful, man. Like I'm looking at that. Black. Chris will buy like three of them right now. <laughs> no, I will. Bu- I will probably just buy one. Uh, Love it. But like that black and brass is freaking gorgeous, man. Like thanks, I, brother. I, I really, where were you? Where are you looking on the website, or are you looking at Instagram? Uh the website. I'm looking at that uh, oh, three they, and three yeah. quarter hard black brass face switch fly reel because i i fish a nine foot 12 weight for okay. for 99 percent of my musky fishing and i fish for musky almost 95 percent of the time really so, so like if i'm gonna well, buy a- i would I, I would it, you know then i would for sure like what i would say I mean, the brass is beautiful, but the brass is actual real brass and it's real heavy. brass weighs and it's heavy. Yeah. And like it's there for to balance out like a longer double handed rod. But, you know, I just build you like, you know, like, you know, like right now I kind of like use a mid arbor, but I have a large arbor style spool. Do that in an all black with like a plate winder, 
you know, I actually have like a, you know, what I would suggest is like the one that has the back rotating plate. So like the back of what, like one of my style reels rotates for the palming rim and then the handles on the spool side. So your palming rim is away from, you know, it's, it's kind of handy. It's nice for muskies too, because it'd be real nice light assembly and in that larger Arbor, you know, that four inch, you know, that's what I would say would be, uh, yeah, what I I have and I've I've got a fair amount of fair amount of them. I've never put one on the reel. Oh right, so like, yeah. It's just it's just it would be a beautiful line holder, right? And <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about making it as light. It, well, I mean, it, it, a musky line would get lost on one of my four inch reels. You know, like right I, I I I use like a you know like. Yeah, they, they're they huge, man. Like, they, they got a lot of lot of space. Um, yeah, four-inch reel's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, and it is, yeah. And they're, and with my arbors are smaller intentionally than your normal reels, so they fit the spay line. But I make a, you know, a larger style spool option, you know. Again, custom shop, I can build whatever, right? And... Um, yeah, you know, so it's just one of those things when I set up to do the four inches, you know, I can do uh, do whatever for you, you know. But like I said, trying to keep it light and where the line doesn't, you know, you just don't need that much space. Um, yeah, I think the, I so so the moral of the story is, and I'm gonna do this, uh, is reach out, right? Like if you have a ten weight rod and you want a reel reach out to you if you have a 12 weight and you're fishing for muskie but if you have an eight weight and you're fishing for bonefish reach right. out. i mean i don't know that i would take brass and the salt but <laughs> yeah my reels are cool i mean like uh I, one of my buddies dino he he takes them out after bonefish all the time you should see all the videos and cool stuff i mean it is you know again we just have to be smart about what i'm you know what you're ordering Right. You know what I mean? Like, you go with one of those, you know, like, you know, his reels, like, I just hard-coated them all. And they're just all hard-coat black. And it's just, you know, it's yeah. chemically inert. And, you know, the, the the bearings are all sealed. And the click and pause system works forever and ever. You know, yeah, those hexad things just run. And those of us who are saltwater fishermen aren't, aren't dumb enough to think that no matter what our reel is, that we shouldn't rinse them off. Right. right. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. He just throws it in a bucket. I think when he gets done and I do the same know. thing, I bucket of yeah. bucket of soapy water. I just made a hand motion that nobody saw and I would phrasing, be like, <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> and I would be horribly mocked for, but we clean them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. I take care of all my stuff immensely well too. You know, it's so funny, but so yeah, man, you know, it, it's just one of those things, you know, like it's fun to test out, you know, going after a bonefish, you know, like on a, on a click and Paul reel is pretty badass. Yeah. You know? uh, my first bonefish was landed on a hardy. <laughs> I love it. And it was, it was loud. <laughs> it was really loud. <laughs> I bet it was, man. Like some but it was fingers awesome. there. It was awesome. Yeah, man. That, yeah. That, that's what he said. It's so exciting. You know, like, you know, it's, I don't know why. 
And the best you know, part was a, a silent reel. I mean, why why would you even want that? I mean, I, every, I just can't. Everybody no. knew that I was into a bonefish, right? Like, oh, I bet. <laughs> like we <laughs> we were all occupied in this big long flat, and it was awesome. Just, and they, everybody looks over, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm totally into a fish. I can't hear anything. You can you can holler out, <laughs> congratulations or whatever, but I don't know." And then, luckily for me, uh, it was stolen by Bohemian Customs, so I I don't <laughs> wow. have that hardy reel anymore. What was it? But what was it about that, like, just that clicking that that click that of, made it for you? Like, the, what was that? Like, okay, I can make this, this, or this, but this is just what I I, I love. This this was something that yeah. When so, was that? So I went when I was in my early twenties, and I had an I had an eight weight reel. For first for steelhead, right? Uh, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the Bahamas with this reel because I can't afford another one because I'm in law enforcement. We don't make any money." And uh, I'm telling you, that click and paw when you hook into a bonefish that's gonna take a hundred yards of backing. It's just a non-stop awesome wave of sound <laughs> and, and even for you uh tim like when was yeah. that for you that it was like i want to make these reels oh that question wasn't for me no, no it's fine I, I want to I hear i want to i love hearing you as well chris don't get me wrong but no that's awesome i just wanted to know when it was that time in his life that he wanted to make these reels and not something else you know what i mean uh yeah see like i i'm right there with him though that's that's perfect i mean because like i always said click and paul reels i never had district reels like i just always had click and paul reels and i would do exactly you know i mean obviously you know like you know bonefish but i mean like, king salmon rip dude you know, they'll, they'll, they'll hit immense RPMs, mm -hmm. especially when you get them in big water, you know, and it's just so much more exciting. The clip and Paul reel. I just can't understand, you know, and like when you're swinging flies, I mean, the, you know, like my opinion and I'm very sure I'm right about it is even if you had a distrig, you're almost having the stupid thing off anyway. You know, you can't have your distrig tightened up really strong when you're swinging flies because you're going to miss a lot of fish. I mean, the, the fish got to take it and turn with it and start running away. And then you're, you're not really striking at them. You're just, you're downstream bank side pressure and it slides it right over to the corner of their mouth and you got them, you know? So even if you have a distrig, I just don't really see the advantage to it you know and yeah click ball is just so much more fun when that fish takes um gosh right tight to the reel you know, everybody should know you're on a fish yeah well i mean yeah but i don't know like i don't know that's just i've, I've <laughs> like yeah I had, I had a few um two of my when my oldest reel and i have an orvis click paw but uh my oldest one was and it was this you know it was what i used for steelhead originally uh, my dad got me when I was young, but again, like when you hook even into the steelhead little tiny Creek and this is a small, small reel, but boy, did it click loud and it, it made, yeah. you're, you know, you're pulling out your line and it's, you know, and it's there's, just, there's something it. to it. it. Like when I, when I, when I caught that Dorado on the hatch, 
and I love my hatches. They're phenomenal reels. Yeah. It it was screaming drag out, right? Like 200 yards of drag, and I'm like, where's the noise? Where's the yeah. noise? Because that was my first hatch, and I've only fished with, like, T-bores prior to that, and, yeah. and they're older T-bores, which still yeah. clicked and screamed. Yeah, just musical and just fun. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, part like, of the experience. Yeah, and, like, you know, like my hex drag right now, like, you have six paws going. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just beautiful sounding, you know, like every time the reel goes around once it clicks 168 times. So it's like <laughs> a, a series of very small micro checks. So it's got a very distinct, you know, but it, what's nice about it, it's nice and even then you don't have any gaps in between, you know what I mean? So there's always, it's weird. It kind of feels like a just drag, but well, you know, and it's, I mean, I'm gonna, it's weird. It's, it's different. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to get a beautiful line holder for a musky fly rod. Awesome. Uh, which will only hear the the click and paw when I strip line. But you know what? That's close enough for me. <laughs> That'd make a well, bad it, you won't have any line advancement when you're casting all day trying to catch a musky. Right? Yeah, there we go. So, right. you, <laughs> so you hope you host trips uh yes to newfoundland to newfoundland huh yep to um it uh, mountain waters on portland creek it's actually um lee wolf's uh lodge like kind of the historic lodge that was on portland creek where he uh wrote about uh riffle hitch and catching salmon on dry flies which you know a lot of people said couldn't be done and um yeah so it's it's a beautiful spot it's right on the right on the ocean essentially you know we're about a mile up from the ocean all the famous pools and rocks and river ponds is right there it's awesome we, i go up um you know about seven weeks i guess um maybe a little bit more um how does how does somebody get into that with you? Um, again, I'm I'm a big, you know, they call me, you know, um, Instagram, Facebook, you know, um, and give out my uh, phone number, you know, so nine two zero two two seven five five seven four. Otherwise, you can Google Spaco, and it brings you to my. You know, my, my site's pretty old. I, I, th I think it was like 2014 that I updated it. Oh, when but this we're... guy graduated high school. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm, I'm kind of old, you know, oh, but uh, yeah. Oh, don't, you know, the, don't. Yeah, the, site's, the site, it is what it is. It, it still works. <laughs> People buy stuff off it all the time. And, you know, it's it's cool. You know, it's what I've always used, you know. Um, and what? a big what, guy. what's your instagram and what's your facebook so people can find you and reach out to you yeah um you know again spaco you know uh spaker underscore reels on instagram um or if you just put in hashtag spaco i suppose something would pull up with a link to me then uh you know like tim ponsloff you know and obviously 
there's there's two Tim Ponsoloffs out there if you could get the spelling correct on that. But just look for the crazy one with all the fishing reels and stuff. Um, but yeah, Google, you know, and I have I think all the links are on the website too about my Instagram and Facebook. And so I actually update those every you know more often. You know, I kind of otherwise trying to keep a website up with a custom shop is almost impossible. You know, you're looking at you know eight you know eight and ten year old reels on there already it's crazy you know but so tim i i you you talked a little uh heavier with me about the newfoundland trips and i have to we have to at least rehash a little bit of what our conversation was because you had me pumped um yeah dude the place is awesome (laughs) like um you went into a little bit of about where you'll stay uh being a great historical place but um so There are when you're, you're going to be swinging for salmon there. Yes. And you also be fishing for giant brook trout that I watched a video of you today, and there were two giant brook trout going for the same big ass fly on top of the water. Yeah, dude, that was. We have. Uh, let's see. I think Matt said that there's 35 minutes of a static camera every cast was like that i mean it was insane i don't know i lost count of how many i hooked it was it was insane then we went back to review some i mean we were just laughing saying dude just throw it right back in the same spot we had the 4k camera all zoomed in fly would hit the water and two seconds later once we went back and actually reviewed the footage the slow-mo we were seeing like two and three brook trout coming I have 25, 30 takes just like the one that you saw on, on Instagram. It's pretty insane, man. I mean, that's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, then the waves started coming in off the lake a little bit. And uh, then I switched to a, um, it was kind of like a good size gurgler, maybe more like a, you know, like a scopper fly. Like, and I was basically tossing that out in, you know, doing some fast mouth strips and then a pause and then, you know, strip it fast and pause it. And that was just deadly. I don't know. Like they would just engulf it, chase it down. You know, sometimes you'd be pulling them in and you'd have other brook trout trying to eat the brook trout that you had on if it was too small. It's pretty amazing. Now for, <laughs> now for us, Pennsylvania anglers, uh, what size brook trout are you talking about? Uh, like the average one to three pounds. You know, and then you know, <laughs> he said three pounds. I was gonna say, yeah, like, I mean, I, you know, I would say, you know, yeah, and then the, you know, the ocean run ones, they were like kind of like a little mini steelhead in a way, you know, I would say like a superior style steelhead, um, real aggressive, you know, they would, um, when you're swinging, you know, like riffling this little wet fly across for the Atlantic salmon, a lot of little baby par come up and eat your fly and um man i brook trout no kidding like eating the par right off my line i mean it's that's pretty awesome. cool on film pretty amazing like i'm like oh no you can try to pull it away from this brook trout and the brook trout just chased around my feet and poof, ate it before i could get it out of the water Dude, um, locally here when we talk about brook trout 
Like we measure them with our hands. A ten inch one, right? Trophy. Yeah. Like like if it goes um, from like we measure it from our middle finger to our wrist, and if it goes past our wrist, yeah. we're king of the world. Some of right? some of the ones that will move into <laughs> Yeah. We have some that move out of smaller streams into a bigger stream that you could catch. They're probably eleven, maybe twelve. And that's, that's inches, and yeah, inches. that's inches, and that's yeah. that's giant. Yeah, that's you know, that that's a big a fish for you know where we're trout. at. Yes, you know, and those are in creeks. We're and fishing rivers. them in ditches. Like you get big Literally. brook trout in Maine and Massachusetts. Yeah, sure, but Vermont, not here in mm-hmm. lakes. But yeah, in Ontario, you know, in Ontario, those really big. We have a, a strain of uh, you know, like lake run brookies by us as well. Um, they're pretty rare, though you know, from by me locally, but if I go further north we can find some decent ones, but um still nothing compares to this, man. Like you know, like I had a salmon on the go, right? So like a lot of times when you're me and when you're riffling them, they'll come after it and take a pot shot, but they don't take the fly, right? So then you know, it was like tossing my fly through there and the brook trout kept on jumping up before the salmon so i kind of had to clear those out of the way so i could get at the salmon it was crazy so i want to go into one more thing before we get you off the phone here um so when you're gonna host these trips when you're going and swinging flies for salmon this is a single traditional salmon fly that has no barb um yes and it has to be just uh, when i fish for anything big I want three barbs. I'm just, I'm joking, but I want every barb I can get. I mean, that's got to be really tough and, and two, you know what I mean? You have to keep tight to that fish and those fish aren't, aren't, a, you know, they're not a joke. And you know what I mean? They, no. they fight hard. So t- take us into oh, that yeah. a little bit and what somebody can expect if they're going to go on a trip with you. Okay. Yeah. So the, the package that the, the lodge owner and I put together, um, is uh, $4,400 U.S. for the week. So that's seven days. That's with the food, private room, and there's really nice cabins with Starlink internet, right? So the accommodations and the food is just amazing. The people, awesome. We six for, we fish for six days with guides because you have to have a guide in Newfoundland, right? So basically, you know. Is that they, law? It is the law, yeah. Like, there's no private water, but you have to have a guide to fish. So a lot of that $4,400 does go to the guiding costs because you need guides, you know. And the styly food and the beautiful place to stay is that's actually just... a, That's actually really smart. It's a steal. It's that's, a steal. That's a good deal. That's a great deal. Oh, but, dude. Oh, but yeah, to, yeah. To for, like, to have an area where, like, look, we understand what we have. But you can't fish here without a guide. Like if you're if right. you're if you're not a local, right? Like if you right. don't have a and local just fishing to be license. respectful. Yeah, just to be yeah. respectful. And, I like that. You know, and you go on the other side. I mean, there's a lot of great water in like a lot of the Quebec in New Brunswick area. But man, when we rolled through there this last year, because we drove out. You know, we drove all the way through Canada, got on the ferry boat in Nova Scotia. took the seven hour ferry boat across the lake and it's five hours to drive up to the lodge from there. And it was awesome. But anyway, when we're heading through that corridor, none of the locals even could afford a fish because it's all private water and it's all in like a lottery system. And it's kind of confusing, 
you know, this way they know that everybody's going to come in. If you're going to have a qualified guide and we have like the top guides in the area, there's no question. These guys were born and raised in this area and they know everything. They do the, the fish handling. They're, they're just really cool, good people. And they didn't want to have it where it was just <clears throat> broken up into small beats and then you'd have to rent the beat. So now we can go wherever we want. There's a whole bunch of rivers all the way through the area. I mean, Portland Creek's right in our backyard, but then there's an upper through all the glacial lakes. I mean, there's feeder creeks that come in, the Southwest feeder and Brian's feeder, and then there's Parsons Pond and <laughs> River of Ponds. I mean, that whole River of Ponds area is just, it's right there. It's right on the other side of the Bluey Mountains. And we, you know, for an extra cost, so you can get you up in a float plane, you know, and fly wherever you want man Pass. you know it's just yeah it's it's pretty like i said and we i told him i wanted to do this affordable and we really you know, again with that i haven't really been concentrating on you know websites and those type of things just quite yet because you know it's it's filling up i don't you know like, yeah and for that the quote that's is a 48 great, that's yeah, a 48 great trip for that kind of money oh uh, yeah that's a wonderful trip for what you're getting yeah a guide every day yeah yeah a guide every day and the food is awesome that's breakfast lunch and dinner and the ride in from the airport and the fishing license is included in that cost for 4400 bucks yeah yeah dude yeah it's in and like and then just tip the the super cool like and the guides that you would that would be teaching you the to fish this river dude they're insane great salmon fishermen i mean they they're just they're freaking good dude you know they just know they know this river and they know the fish really well and you know and riffle hitching it's a it's a different art and it's it's kind of cool because you can take that still that same technique and apply it to other fishing as well like you know like i mean if you guys fish caddis trout right take a caddis and throw a little riffle hitch on that and dead drift it and then skate that caddis out. See what happens. Watch what those Browns do. It's a, it's a real viable technique, you know, cause cripple caddis fish just kind of go bonkers for that type of action on the top. It speeds the fly up faster. I uh, love it. And <laughs> I love what you're doing because as long as you're not Euro nymphing, you're a friend of ours. If there's a big fly line and you have a nice rod and you are making awesome casts that are sending it out there, space style, like that stuff's not easy. It took me a while to learn, you know, a little the D loop and to snap the fly line and to use water tension and all this just doesn't come to you. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's, and really, a, it's a really the, cool thing. I love it. Yeah. And, and, a, you know, all the guides up there, single handed rods. Nine foot nine weights to buck through the wind. It's insane. Nine foot nine weights on the home water. That's, hmm. and uh, it's not really about casting far. You know, even when I was using my double hander, you know, yeah, I'd fan around in the pool and I used a lot larger double handed rods to reach in the pools when the water was higher and I couldn't wait around as well in the similar spots so I could try to reach, you know. Um, out to the backside of the pools, but as the you know as the water came back down in the shape or whatever you know like 
you know, go down. I, I would like the smallest rod I was using was, you know, I mean, I used a nine foot nine weight as well. And, but, uh, for the double handers, I, I kind of like this 12 foot eight weight Thomas and Thomas just worked really well. Hmm. And again, for, you know, bucking through that wind, you know, cause it has to be delicate and you're using light line and a small fly and uh, these fish are coming right up out of the ocean and they kind of rest in front of boulders, you know, and there's a big resting pool right behind the lodge where all the fish, when they come up, they come there. And uh, before they move on upstream, you know, we go up chasing up after them for sure, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful place, man. And the, like so much history with Lee Wolf and like all the monuments that are there and it, it's just super cool, man. I mean, it, it's a, I can see why he landed and wanted to be there. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Big wide river and really good dry fly fishing and really good, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's got deep pockets in it, right. And big pools, but strange these salmon and sometimes they'll fit they'll just sit in like knee deep water that's awesome just sitting dude it's so, the most insane thing but you can't crazy thing is you can't really see them the water's like this weird tannic dark bottom and they just blend in i you know like this last summer i think i only saw two fish maybe three you know so uh we're we're running out of time here. I wanna I wanna give you one last plug. It's uh, Instagram at Spayco underscore reels. Your website yeah. is the spaycompany dot blogspot dot com. Is that correct? Yep. Or Spayco dot net. I think gets you there they, too. Yeah, Spayco dot net. Or Spayco dot net. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you would like to tell us about? I don't think so, man. Like, uh, yeah, just thanks for having me on the podcast. It's all, it's always fun. We just got to fish together. We got to find some time to fish together one of these years too. I think it would be pretty cool. You know, you guys should come up to Newfoundland with me and fish. It'd be awesome. Yeah. One, one. When's the best time of year to do that? Next president. Yeah. Um, well, they, I I only have the prime week. So to me, I would say that last week in June, July to the first week in August is like historically the most prime times. Right on. So, so they're all they're they're all good. I I have a couple openings in the end of July, like three rods open in the last week and then um the first week of august i have uh six spots open but that's the availability for next year otherwise it's already sold out awesome so yeah. if anybody's yeah. interested get your information into our friend tim and, you know find him on instagram find him on facebook find him on his website yeah, uh, and then just is, call me, you know. I'm a big caller. You know, he texts me, set up a time, call me. I'm always I'm always uh, available. I, everything goes right directly to my cell phone. Deal with each client personally all the time, you know, and the 
filling this up was so easy because hey. I have so many clients that just love the salmon fish. Dude, There's nothing like a real personable person. If you buy something from him, you get to talk to him right in first hand. That's awesome. Right on. Um, hey, thank you a lot, Tim. Um, we're on a hard out. My daughter's going to bed. We are yeah, rolling worries, quite brother. long on the podcast tonight. So, But it was wonderful talking to you and... Uh, you know, we're going to talk to you again soon. We'll get to, we'll probably have you on before you guys head up to Newfoundland. Cool. We'll, we'll do a podcast from Newfoundland. Awesome. All right, brother. That sounds Thanks, good. Man. All right. Okay. That sounds good, guys. It was, thank you again. It was a lot of fun. Anytime, my man. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We all have serious faces for radio. Um, I don't know. Thank you, Jim. Young, uh, no. young Bo over there is. Well, no, he's a good-looking kid. Yeah, I like really him. <laughs> oh, if, if I, I have to share way. a bedroom with anybody at the Niagara, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be with them. I say this with, with me, a, I say this with a staunch record of mostly heterosexuality. He's a handsome kid. He is. You're a good-looking <laughs> kid, man. I told my wife, like you'll like this kid. He's a good-looking kid. Welcome to SVS After Hours. Absolutely. I kind of like it. <laughs> so, uh, Jim, oh, we're super lucky to have to have yeah. Tim on the show tonight. Tim, Tim was like a lot of was, fun. Yep. He, he, I like... A wealth of knowledge. Yeah, he really is. And, I, man, like, just to be a guy who just, all right, I want to do this. I'm just going to do this and, like, yeah. and make reels. Like, I want this reel. I, I don't see it. I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to make it. it. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. go find a lathe and lathe metal that's all and then to make an then to make a business out of it to, to say oh m- maybe other people want this as well and then just get to it rent a shop get at it like, and he's yeah he's on his, you, like man. his second shop now like we talked about yeah. what a great guy uh we had a fun time talking to him hey thanks dave hey thank you for having me guys i really yeah. appreciate it uh, handsome great dave. congratulations handsome dave thank on you. <laughs> You have nice eyebrows. <laughs> I think it's the eyebrows. We should we should uh, workshop this nickname. Handsome Dave, pretty Dave, Dapper Dave. Oh, Dapper Dave is <laughs> Dapper coming on. Dave. We're going to have Dapper Dave That's at least where now we and are. again. Like, Dapper Dave has to be back for uh, after the Niagara. Oh, uh-huh. I'd love to, guys. Thank after you. We, after you catch your first fish on the fly rod. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I think this is what we're going to do this time. It's expensive, uh, but Tim Tim's back there yelling hell yeah and shit. I, and I know Tim Tim next to a bunch of guys that weren't using a fly rod even the year before was really true and tried to the using the fly rod and always is true and tried to using a fly rod. Yeah, but that's all Tim is, and it, it I, I give I give kudos to Tim. Um he came and caught his first couple of hybrids with me I you know, a couple of years back and we first met and I was like, Oh, I wanna go do that and we just went and he just Started doing what I was doing, and right on. Like it's it, fun. It's expensive, but can you put a price on not being a bitch? <laughs> That's fair. And Tim doesn't That's put. Fair. Tim, does, Tim doesn't see that price tag. Tim says that price tag doesn't exist to me. I'm using a fly rod. <laughs> We're going to Niagara. I'm using a fly rod. I don't care what the rest of you guys are using. I'm using a fly rod. He's the man. It's it's hard. Yeah. You you just gotta fish lesser water better. Look, we've converted but. we've converted many. <laughs> oh yeah. Your next Jamper Dan. I used to fish Jim. one of them their center pins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Jim, well said, Jim. Jim was a pinner. 
Yes, pin, this is Pinner Gym. Yeah. So at least you never use a center pin rod, right? Never been there, nope. No, nope. right okay. Yeah. Good, good for you, kid. Can I have a new nickname now? No. You, well, yeah, you're. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> they already done sold, retailed yeah. off. We you're already the, paid taxes on them. You're the big cat. Okay. I mean, you're no All longer right. a center pin gym. All right, that's fair. You're the big cat. He is the big cat, dude. I caught the biggest fish I've ever caught with him. Oh, your cat. cat. Oh, yeah. I saw 30, your cat. 30 yeah. pounder, man. Yeah. Uh, we, I'll talk about it a million times in my whole life. That was the biggest fish I think I've ever touched in my life. You were handing it to me, and I'm like, man, I don't know. That's a bit, I don't know. I don't want to stick my I'm, I'm Okay, I'm going to stick my You just got to commit to I'm it, I'm going to stick my hand in his mouth. I was, you know, that's, I don't know. For me, I don't know. I, you guys have caught giant fish, but. Anyway. No, I, I just gave you the raised eye. Oh, I thought we were just coming back and saying, hey, Jim, who yeah. sponsors this podcast? Yeah. That's what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody had a lot of uh, good times tonight. And thanks to our guests. And thanks to Dave. Again, who, who we brought to you by? We got Sims Fishing. We got Yeti, Built for the Wild, A-Rex Hooks, Fresh and Saltwater. Portland Lines. Friends of the show, Ryan Evans at Queen City Guiding. A quarter of our contingency will be up there. No, more than that. 50% of tonight's contingency will be up there to see you next week. Uh, I miss you, Ryan. Michael Davis at Down to Earth Wealth Management. I miss you too, Michael. I haven't seen you in like a year. That was really fun seeing him at the tying night. Yeah, oh, dude. I, I couldn't make it to tying night, uh, which makes me sad. Thomas Shank at Chippewa River Custom Rods. Our buddies over at Muskie Fool. We miss you guys too. And the Nittany Valley Muskie Alliance. Sponsors of the Beast of the East. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not joined our Facebook group, please do so at the SBS Fly Fishing Podcast. Please check out uh, our Instagram. Jay. Tell us to our Instagram, please. Oh, yeah. Instagram, SVS Fishing. Instagram, uh, Dr. J is my, my personal one. Last thing I posted was the the big cat. Um, no, but check us out on YouTube. Yes. Go start to check us out on YouTube. There might be little clips that you don't get to hear that <laughs> could surface, and it won't be anything too crazy, but hell. You know, if go check us out there. There might be something different that you didn't get to hear that might have been off air. Yeah, so. I, I never thought I would say this in my entire life, but like, uh, subscribe. Yes. To the SVS Fishing Podcast. We, uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We're going to sign off before we say future dumb things. Bye.